0: Welcome to all of you out there. It's the boys from Rotosaurus. We are back and we're bringing you the high stakes heat. I'm Jake Ellisker. You can find me at the Might on Twitter. Alongside me is my fellow Sweet 16 member, Dave McDonald. How you doing, man? Good.
1: Uh, I am
0: excited for this one, Jake. We've uh, we've got our boy in the house tonight. We've got our boy in the house. You're right, Dave. We can find you on Twitter at RunDMCD. That's right. More importantly, sorry, is...
1: I jumped the gun a little bit because I got a little excited. But uh, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> add that d <laughs> yeah so we've got our boy in the house today uh it's the big guy with the big mouth from the big apple the man with the plan the beast from the east the big stud with the big fuzzy heart the man the myth the hurricane big sexy himself
2: john legaza how you feeling tonight johnny <laughs> All right, man. that was the introduction of introductions it's funny i'm sitting here going Wow, i have catchphrases you got a lot of them. <laughs> you have
1: a lot of catchphrases that have to do with being big and sexy. You know I don't even much.
2: write that stuff. I just Yeah, I just pull the rip cord and let it go, man. I really don't really I don't write any of that stuff. It's <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wrote that. <laughs>
0: I mean, there were a lot of them. We didn't want to forget any.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> so, how are you doing tonight, Johnny? I'm pretty good, man. I don't know if I have ever been busier preparing for a Uh, baseball season The kind people at ftn network said they're just launching and we kind of wanted to make not a name but you know kind of plant our flag for fantasy baseball so we put everything in front of the paywall personally i've never had my work in front of the paywall so they didn't tell me how much so i have been burning the candle on both ends i don't know if you've seen all this i'm putting out like two articles a day it's just yeah you're you're completely a a lot right now i'm trying to do it all guys you know me i live in the red line you know i live in the sixth gear and i wanted someone to be able to just follow my stuff and be fully prepared so i'm just embracing all of it. i'm loving it the spring training games are here i mean it's baseball non-stop man i just i'm jacked up man yeah <laughs> check out
0: john's work he said it's, it's in front of the paywall now it's constant it's amazing and, and he does it differently than anybody else so you need to get there and look at it. and
1: that's uh, at mlb moving averages thank you on the twitter machine
0: Yeah, today we'll hit on some major news. We'll hit on a lot of John's uh, fantasy background and process and maybe no filter segment. uh, You know, we we might have a couple guys that (laughs) might want to say a few things today. And then we got some uh, TGFBI reviews. We'll talk about our Potapalooza appearances. And Dave and I will also talk about the Glarf League that is in full swing as well. So there's there's lots of drafts going on, lots of industry things going on. And First Pitch Florida is going on uh, this weekend, too. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of you, our friends in that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's March when we've got all this
1: shit going on. <laughs> it's just, just trying to get ready for the season and try to do 13 drafts at the same time. And, uh, you know, while you're doing all these appearances on pods and, and, uh, you know, pot yep. and
0: <laughs> everything it's hot and heavy. Uh, so let's jump into the news and get it, get it over with. Uh, we got Cole Calhoun. That was a, a pretty big injury. Yeah. Um, meniscus tear uh, definitely not going to be ready right for the start of the season. Uh, probably a little longer than that as well. Right. Uh, so John, uh, first of all, did you have any Cole Calhoun? Uh, I, we know you do quite a few drafts early on.
2: Yeah, I do draft quite a bit. I am a volume player, but I'm very strict with my parameters, particularly as I get older, I'm into batting average more. Uh-huh. So guys like Calhoun with these flawed hit tools, they don't even make it into consideration. I like to think of my fantasy portfolio, though it is a volume thing, it's not like random. And I think of it almost as like a, it probably resembles like a max DFS build where there is some versatility, but when you break it down, it's it's groups of eight, 10 or 12 guys in a position yeah. in different combinations. Not so much where I'm saying, all right, I'm going to take whole Calhoun. He just really doesn't fit. To be honest, guys, Cole Calhoun probably pretty well represents the mistakes I've made in the past. Chasing empty power with guys with no average. And, and it just – that gets you into trouble. You know, It's give something me... we
1: preach all the time, John. We tell people, yeah. you know, don't, don't use early picks on three-category hitters. Like, you can find those guys all throughout the draft. Now, granted, you don't need to take Calhoun at a particularly early point in the draft, but I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, and uh, I think – Honestly, with the Cole Calhoun news, it's more about what the repercussions are from that. Our, you know, we were, we were planning on seeing Varsho start in the minors, unfortunately for Jake and I, because we drafted him in our Bell, the Pods team. But um, does you think this changes things for that, or do you think they just go to Rojas?
2: Well, I, I hate to knock the awesome work at Ross the resource, because he does the, <laughs> job. he does the best job he could do. He's doing, he's doing inimitable work. Sure. Right now, he has Varsho starting. I don't think it's going to happen opening day. Yeah, we don't, don't think, think so either. I don't think so. I think you'll probably get a little bit of Josh Rojas. The person I was kind of looking at, I have Eric Cross coming in over the over the weekend. I was hoping maybe it'd be Lo Le- Castro. He's penciled in at the eight right now. But if you notice, these lineups seem to be changing every couple days and stuff. Yeah, so I understand well, it's a very fluid situation. Again, to mistakes I've made in the past, there's not enough certain for me, certainty for me there yet. So i think it's going to be really a very nothing. fluid lineup for and sure and
0: it's interesting they, they've been playing varsho at catcher more than at outfield this spring they he started three times at catcher already and once in the outfield just today i think was which, first which is not
1: a good sign if you think no. that that they're going to be considering him for their center or for their outfield jobs right. so.
0: now LaCastro got covid as well uh yeah so that's right. we don't know how long le is going to be out um there's possibly a way he can sneak in, but I think I tend to agree that that uh, it's going to be Rojas. It seems that way. It, the fact that they're playing Varsho at catcher so much leads me to think they're just trying to get a more experience at catcher. Yeah, that's my thought, too. Because you know Vote is going to be on that team as well. So right. Kelly and Vote will got be Kelly there, and so. yeah. Yeah. It, it's unfortunate for our one Varsho share, but luckily we don't have any more. And Yep. We can hopefully make that work. Uh. <laughs> At least we have more catchers. Our outfield situation is even worse in that league. We were actually to the point where we were thinking of having to play Varso at uh, Varso at outfield. I
1: mean, we're going to have to whenever he does come up. We're going to be literally playing him in the fucking outfield. We're we're
0: losing like every late outfielder we drafted. It's It's pretty bad.
2: Yeah, it's tough. Those leagues are very tough like that. There's there's a lot of times there's nothing you can do.
1: Anytime you draft early, man, you take that risk. You know, if you're drafting guys with uncertain playing time, you know, and uh, we we didn't we didn't uh, do that one correctly, but oh well.
0: Johnny, your Yankees brought in uh, two. Injury riddled starters uh, so far, so good, though, this spring Kluber and Tyon. Uh Are you buying in on either or both of those guys?
2: No, no, not from a Yankee perspective, not from a fantasy perspective. This feels like a, ch- a child is GMing. That's what it feels like. <laughs> uh, you know, when you get the video <laughs> game, you're like, oh, I know that name. You know, let's get him. <laughs> saying, yeah, well, maybe we don't want a guy with two surgeries that is only throwing 90. Maybe we want like a Debbie Garcia. Right. Maybe he'd be good. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if the Yankees had guys like, I don't know, Sonny Gray or Lance Lynn or Justice Sheffield, maybe, maybe they'd be better at pitching. Oh wait, they had those guys. They don't know what to do with them. <laughs> they let them walk. They get nothing. You know, they got back Paxton, gave him that right back away. The Yankees pitching management in general, from a macro 35,000 foot view is an absolute unmitigated disaster. The only thing they know how to do is smash the buy button. Okay, when it comes to Garrett Cole, anybody could hit that. That's a boat, you know, trying to hit water falling out of a boat. The rest of it, <laughs> they, they they can't get it right. The Yankees can't get it right. The pitching is a disaster. I don't know how many innings they expect. I was actually hoping for kind of a – we were talking about social media before. I was hoping for like some traction. John Boy, who was like the go-to Yankee account, you know, yep. posted something about how excited he was with the Yankees, and that's fine. I'm excited, new season, some new names. But I tweeted at him – How realistic, like, what is a realistic IP projection for them all together? You know, this is where projections get you in the weeds. Projecting each of them for 100 innings or 110 or 120 may seem reasonable in a vacuum. However, you're going to get that from all four of the guys you need to get it from? I mean, there's three or four guys that haven't thrown last year. This is not the way a championship team or a favorite enters Whatsoever, I think there are a few moves away from where they need to be. Listen, Tyon, is, I think it will be good maybe next year if he could stay on the field. Kluber, we don't know what we're going to get. Some people seem to be sold on the return of the 200-inning horse. Oh, no. you got to show me that first. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 no. People are – they're not necessarily paying for that, right? He's not going in the second or third where he is going. There should be a realistic expectation for 150 quality innings. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if I'm there yet. No. I don't have – any of these Yankees, I had a share of some Jordan Montgomery before he became the flavor of the month, and I was on the Devi Garcia train when I thought he was the correct move. Dave, we were just talking about forecasting late drafts, so sometimes you have to play the the GM when you're building a 50 round team in December, and that was before the Yankees made those additions. So at that point, I thought Devi Garcia was maybe the best number five star in the league so in pure yankee fashion we're gonna box him out make sure he doesn't get the reps won't get the looks. maybe when they need him it'll be in a hyper leveraged spot and he could like totally shite the bed and will ruin another career i just i'm sorry you could tell this is this, it's, it's it's a weird bias because it's a home bias but this is like a love bias like yeah oh yeah no yeah. Love,
0: believe me we get there's it a man. Thi-
2: there's a thin line between love and hey brother we get it <laughs> We have love, plenty don't of remember, criticisms of our win. own team, yeah. Yeah, I love when the Yankees win. Although I I didn't love watching the mid two thousand team win that purely bionic man Randy Johnson, Gary Sheffield, Mark Teixeira. They just trying to build buy the most expensive guy. That team was awful. I hated that team. You know, I like the the home built teams. They won in the late nineties, of course. All the you know, the running off the championships. But more importantly than that, from the fan standpoint, was. The way they built was with strong pitching from within. And then you could add a single piece. Cole was not a single piece to a finished product. They tried to lead with him and then build the bionic man with cheap pieces. I'm sorry. I ran out on the Yankees, but it's a disaster for me. Uh, listen, <laughs> there's a, there's a non-zero chance that three of the guys in a starting rotation for opening day are not pitching after the all-star break. That's just what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing I mean, it's, to me that, that a team that's dealt with so many injuries would, would take, continuous chances on more injuries i mean when that rotation was as depleted as it was
2: and and simultaneously sitting on talent yeah you got
0: clark schmidt you got Yeah. yeah
2: Even the has been very effective yeah. in short stints, but we never get to find out what they have because they had come in for an inning here or two innings there. It's never under routine. It's never on a good regiment. We never get to see it. Even somebody like Luis Sessa had some electric stuff from time to time. The Yankees, like I said, were sitting on Justice Sheffield. They let him go. They were sitting on Chance Adams. He was a big time prospect for a little while. Nothing came of that. The, listen you had to finish sonny gray you couldn't do anything he leaves he's a stud you had to finish lance lynn you can't do nothing with him he leaves he's a stud eventually when we need to find the problem we need to find the mirror
0: that's uh that's fair
1: yeah and i mean <laughs> i think i think Debbie garcia is going to get plenty of run man i mean and there's like you said yeah. there's no chance in hell these guys all there will stay be healthy. room for him for sure
0: um and who will, knows who knows what Herman's going to do not having pitched for a year or two
1: yeah, that's true. Uh, and I will say that while I was like you, I was I was all out on these guys. I have come back in a bit on Tyon for where he goes. Um, I was encouraged by the fact that he threw forty pitches today too. Uh, I thought that was thought that was kind of aggressive. It shows that I think the Yankees are going to push him. Um,
2: Filthy, I,
1: yeah. Um, I also heard his velocity was up. So I don't know. I haven't seen any official uh stuff I mean, on if that if i but...
0: had to pick one of the two it would easily be tie on because yeah. i mean really i'm not i'm not as much worried about re-injury as i am as well, his control time, being bad or something had, like that he had a
1: long time off and i'm not saying that's necessarily a great thing but it's it's better yeah. than than i think other guys Yeah, and it's past
0: it's past 14 months when was his surgery was it in October? august i think it was it was mid it was during the season i feel okay. like it was august of 19 so it's it's been a good while still not two years but it's much better than him coming back in 12 12 months, I should right, say. Right. Um, so Aaron Savale, let's move to our team. Uh he's he's debuting some new mechanics. This is almost like an a la Giolito yeah. kind of thing. It's a it's a shortening of the arm circle. Um,
2: but we we've
0: heard Giolito or we've heard Savale on other pods and also Dave's interactions <laughs> with him on Twitter. He's <laughs> he's very he's very much an uh an introspective kind of guy. He's always working. Yeah. Um, I love that. And he's he's clearly learned from Bowers, uh you know, uh, constant, constant, uh, tinkering, tinkering with them. So well, I, I hate that word because it has such a negative connotation now. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the constant uh, improvements, improvement right. seeking, um, looking good with these new mechanics. Yeah. Uh, now control was not, not a horrible issue for him. It was, no, that's it was more hit ability. Was... So I'm not sure what the reason. So
1: is. that's, that's why it was kind of shocking to me
0: that he did this because we saw it with
1: Gialito. We saw it with Robbie Ray last year and that didn't go very well. Um, But these were guys who have massive control issues. So to see a guy like Savali do it, uh, it was really interesting, but he says it's really tightened up his curve. Um, And, you know, we hear all the time this time of year that guys are improving their pitches or they're going to throw this more or that more. So who knows? But I really like the base of talent that Savali is working from. And uh, I mean, personally, I'm buying.
0: What about you, John? What do you think?
2: I like anything that comes out of Cleveland that has to do with pitching. (laughs) Listen, I mean, betting on cleveland starting pitching almost feels like being long the stock market you just kind of wake up and every few months you're ahead you know and Mm -hmm. if you were on that train you just always seem to be ahead of the curve when you just kind of have a fundamental belief in what they're doing the indians are so good from a biomechanical and fundamentally analytic perspective i who am i to question them the only thing I worry about is, is ne- did it just start now? Or is this something we're a few months into these new changes? I don't like to hear it right before we're kicking off mm-hmm. opening day. Right. But again, I do kind of have the faith it's not happening unsupervised. So right. I, I, not to get right into the front office, because I guess that's a cop out to say, oh, it's Cleveland, so I believe them. But they have built a track record with me. And until they kind of screw that up, I'm going to keep letting them man, be the tip of the spear and try and find these new edges. It seems to be working, right? They're able to get rid of high-end pitching and just next man up and he's really good. Next man up, he's really good too. So I, like I said, I think that's it. I don't like to hear about adjustments so close to the kickoff here, but at the same time, I have faith in him and in the organization. He's not, it's not willy nilly. I should say. Yeah. It's
0: it's very likely that's not, this is not something they just rolled out of bed when they first got to Arizona and and decided to do it. So. um, I would imagine he's been working on it most of the off season. I I hate, you know, saying I trust, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of track record here. And and when the Indians pitchers make adjustments, they're usually good adjustments. And I, I don't think that's an accident. Um, now he's going lately. He, he's he's rising a bit. He's up to 180 or so, 181. Oh no, I'm sorry, 184 in uh draft champions from the last two weeks. Are we buying on him in the beginning of the thirteenth round as your SP four or five?
1: Yeah, I mean I am, but I, I think you're probably gonna have to take him around earlier than that too. His I, min he, is one forty. He's right the kind of you know, when he came off, what do you throw three like shutout innings with like c three Ks or something? I don't know. He, he Anytime guys have a good spring training outing, it ups their ADP, whether yeah. it should or not. I mean, you know, especially in this circumstance. And what but, are we
0: looking for this year? We're looking for innings, right? Yeah, I mean, I this mean, is the kind of guy that you can trust to is, give this, some innings. This
1: is uh, this is one of the workhorses that you can get uh, as many innings out of. Pretty much, other than like the top five guys, he's probably going to be in that next tier of guys who's going to throw pretty much right up there with the most innings.
0: <sighs> Cody Bellinger, uh, supposedly his shoulder is progressing well. Is, is that giving us confidence to draft a guy <laughs> that is going in the late first, early second? John, are you interested in Cody Bellinger with this shoulder so, supposedly getting better, but not quite there?
2: This one's really tough. I hate to put any weight on spring training, but I think this is one of those cases. I have the infinite you know, confidence in the skill set and the talent. So if he just shows me that the physical tool is there, let him just go out there and crank one. He doesn't even have to go over the wall just to show that the torque is there, you know, full extension with the bat. I even, I wouldn't mind seeing him kind of get some full extension, like I'm saying on, on a ball. If he looks like he's strong, it was a dislocated shoulder. This isn't like a, you know, this wasn't some huge structural thing or something I'm really worried about. I don't know, man. It's hard to totally disregard 40 home run, 15 steal upside in one of the better contexts to your point. I have not been able to get there, but someone has, because he's not really falling very far. No. Yeah, so even when I have like an early first round, he hasn't fallen to me at a a wheel or even the back end of the two. Mm -hmm. So even if we are a little bit concerned, guys, I think that just means we're going to have no shares, because these people are not. Once he hits that spring training dinger, I would not be opposed to taking him, you know, if I had the 12, let's say, or the 13, where maybe my favorite bats with the steals are gone and i might take like a giolito i think bellinger might pair with a guy like that pretty well i wouldn't mind that start you know bellinger has the big upside
0: if you're if you're into that position early dave and i are are kind of uh, avoiding the first baseman and the outfield he doesn't yeah he does yeah. have outfield
1: also but yeah. right
0: but and he'll give you some speed if you play him at first but yeah, we, we generally, unless it's a in like like a Soto that fell a little bit, we're not taking outfielders in the first. I just first.
1: I feel like you know the upside to taking him. I mean, yeah, he's he's a great hitter, you know, but he he's not a guy who's going to give you an elite average. He'll he'll give you a little bit of speed, um, power is something I can get any time in the draft. I, I just don't need it. And on top of that, <clears throat> and then you got the downside of if his shoulder's not right, he's going to struggle all year. Uh, I just. I see zero reason to even consider him in the first two. year.
0: Dislocated shoulders. It, it, it sounds like it's not that big a deal, but a lot of times, I mean, even if it's not reported, there's, you know, there's, there's cartilage, there, I mean, or ligament damage involved with this, that. This, that this originally
1: happened like what a year ago. And we're still talking about it. I'd yeah. say that means it's, it's
0: not, no,
2: it ha- it happened during the playoff celebration. Wasn't he
0: like celebrating and it happened. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He, he continued playing and he actually hit a home run. So it wasn't like a debilitating injury. It was, Sounded more to me like getting him from 90 to 100%. So I, I'm not in it yet, but I have not – I haven't shut the door on him. I have to see it first. I would yeah. not put any serious money on Bellinger right now, if that's a question. No, not yet. I but we have three fair. weeks where he could prove – I guess I should have said that. There is a situation where he proves that draft value to me, but it's very slot dependent. I'm not reaching for him at all. Almost, I think I'm in line with you guys. My plan A and plan B do not involve him. Mm -hmm. What
0: about uh Xander Bogart's shoulder injury? Are we concerned with that? When he's taken swings, he's he's progressed to throwing now, he is in a throwing program. He's not, I don't think he's played in any games yet, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, this is this sucks because this is a guy that we were on big time, we've we've drafted him in a couple places. Um, I cannot take him right now. I'm heavily invested already. uh, And
0: I haven't done as many drafts as, as many of these folks. And I'm, I got at least three or four shares so far. That's not good for me. It's
1: a dangerous situation. And, and I mean, if, if the shoulder isn't right, we can see kind of like what happened with Eugenio Suarez last year um, with his shoulder. Um, it'll, it'll sap that power. And I don't know how keen to, to running as much as he's going to, he's going to be if, uh, if the shoulder isn't right. I mean, this is a guy who's their starting shortstop. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer, but I, I have to be off of him for now, uh, until at least for now, like I said, until later in the draft season, uh, two, three weeks from now. We'll have to see if anything's changed, but I, uh, I'm i concerned. What about you, John?
2: Well, I don't think you have to take him at the price. Whenever these things happen, the markets initially react, and they generally overreact. So, again, it's not so much about Bogart's yes or no middle second nowadays where people had been taking him no if he falls to a four again this is not debilitating we're not hoping for some giant rehab sometimes guys it takes a while to get the engine started right it's almost like getting your car going getting the oil going everything warm there's no surgery involved I I don't know this could easily be a nothing burger I hope so you don't want to miss out on a huge player yeah at that point.
0: It's it's tough. He went 27th in my TGFBI. Um and his min I'm sorry, his max pick in DC's the last 2 weeks is 38 despite the news. So that's middle of the third, that's the latest he went.
1: I mean, that's that's still too early for me for the for the risk right now. That's right. tough. I took him in the second round of Glarf, man. Yeah. Right, right
0: like right before it happened. Yeah.
1: I, I, oh god. This is one of those times where I should have waited to make a pick. <laughs> I should have been that D back. Was it, it was that like, same night?
0: I think it was the same yeah. night. Yeah. Brutal. Uh, it's yeah. I'm I'm really hopeful that we see him in games soon. Uh to make me feel better about my I don't adjustment. know if that's
1: gonna make me feel good enough to take him still.
0: <laughs> I no uh playing man.
1: just was... just playing isn't gonna be enough right, though. I need to, to see like also. I need to see that he's actually like healthy. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to see that because he's not going to be playing every day
0: in spring anyway. So I don't know. He was a part of my auction plan. Like I, you know, my, I'm still finishing up my auction plan and now I don't know what to do with him. Uh, He was one of my shortstop targets and now I'm looking like I have to move on. I feel like.
2: Yeah, I hear you. Well, in the market, what we generally would do is once we're staked into a position and the price begins to move against us, we could kind of dollar-cost average and, again, react to it. Yeah, You know, if, as long as you set your plan first, I know you gentlemen are going to do that. Tell yourself, hey, listen, if we get to that 38, we're starting to make a new max, and he's played in a game or two, you know, we have got to be very careful overreacting to this stuff because two weeks from now, you might be looking back going, I can't believe I passed on him in the fourth.
0: Yeah, I no hear that. Do. He's, does, yeah. His auction prices haven't dropped either. The, I'm, the, the, I'm so... prob-
1: the problem with it is though, John, is that I hear people saying like, if you can get him around later, if, if, if the shoulders fucked around later is way, way, way too high still. That's, that's the problem is it's not about just getting a good price on him It's if he's not healthy, it's, it's a horrible pick even within three, four, five rounds of that. So that's my issue is that I can't just take a round or two uh, of a, you know, discount and then call it like a good deal. Um, I, I just, I'd rather take someone else who's a little, a little lesser of a player, uh, who's healthy. And that's, that's always been my frame of mind. And it's, it's always helped me, uh, in, in the high stakes,
2: uh, realm. Well, I, I could be sold with some production again. I think I don't need to, you know, I doesn't have to hit 450 in spring training. I'd like to see him go into the hole once and maybe make a nice stop and throw, right. And then maybe hit the ball hard a couple times. To me, then I think that's fine. Um, really? Okay. If they're me, if he's doing the things that I want to see again, I'm not talking about a routine grounder. If the guy is showing you that he could dive on his shoulder, or he's showing you that he could really crank a line drive, you should be good to, you know, you should be good to go. You could probably look back on every spring training. There's going to be multitudes of sore shoulder, a little ding. This guy's a day out. I just don't like. To, it's the first week still. I, I'm not in actionable mode just yet.
0: Well, we got some time before the big money draft, so hopefully he's...
2: Yeah, that's the point though. That's the point. They and that's that's why they should be scheduled then, I think.
0: Uh keeping on the injury train, uh Brandon Woodruff. Uh we we all know about the back entry that came came to light a few days ago. Uh he is scheduled to pitch Monday. Um what are we looking to see from him? And Dave, are you I mean, I'll start with you, Dave, since you've been vocal about being interested in him. What are you looking to see out of Woodruff?
1: I honestly, right now I don't know what to do with him. Um had a chance to take him in the second round of I think was it the was it the tag team draft? No, uh, maybe it was TJFBI. I, I think yeah, I think it was TJFBI. I had the chance to take him in the second. And I decided to pass because um, I know Jake. You've talked a little bit about his injury history.
0: Yeah, and uh, going into eighteen, <clears throat> no, nineteen. I mean, I, I was on Woodruff before he was a thing. And then he just kind of kept getting hurt and never got a shot. So I kind of bailed and I wasn't back in in 19 when people were starting to get on him, and I missed out on the good from 19, but then he ended that uh, year injured as well. So he, he's a guy that gets nicked up a lot and a back injury. We, we know how back injuries can be recurred yeah. or can recur. Um, what about you, John? Are you into Woodruff?
2: I, I was big time. Then they tried to get me off from saying they're only going to let them go hundred innings over last year. Mm-hmm. And I kind of sidestepped that yellow light. and continued to step on the gas. Now, man, I got to You got to at least pump the brakes a little bit. This is a heavy amount, heavy draft capital, you know, and we're talking about Bogert's at three. Now this is the middle of two. Yeah. Something with Bellinger. I mean, generally I'm looking at these ventures as a pyramid and the top of that pyramid with the most capital spent on the least amount of risk. If he's pumping 94 or 95 or whatever, and he looks great, I guess I could be sold. Luckily to your point before there is some time, hopefully we'll get to see him two times or three times. If it's totally without injury and they come back and even address it and say, it was no big deal. It was just, just to make sure wrong side of the bed type of thing. I could see going back full go with him. We don't want to disclude all these guys from our list on these what may be flimsy reports, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I hear that. I mean, especially coming off of last year when nobody knew what the hell was going on, uh, we don't. We don't. I mean, these guys, these reporters, still don't have full access to everybody either. So, and the teams, hmm. the teams aren't forthcoming with everything right now either. So, uh, there's merit to that, I think. Um, I'm still not a Woodruff guy right now, but
1: does this, does this kind of put him into Clayton Kershaw territory though, you know, where, you know, I think people kind of don't, I mean, granted Kershaw also doesn't get the strikeouts that some of the top guys go. That's why he kind of falls to the late second, early third. But um, I mean, he's a guy who's always had back injury issues uh, who will miss, uh, you know, a bunch of starts during the year due to that. And I, and I'm, that's my kind of my concern is that if Woodruff is kind of going down that path where, he's missing starts on and off now. And a lot of times that happens in the middle of a week, like right before a start. So you end up getting a zero out of that spot. That's the problem with these persistent injuries that, that bothers me because it's, if you know ahead of time that you can bench him before the week starts, it's not as bad, but if you have no recourse, cause it happens on a Tuesday or a Monday, like it always seems to happen, yeah. you're, you're getting a zero for that week, unless you're playing in daily transaction leagues. So um, back injuries is, as I know, don't go away. So, I don't know. For me, it's, it's very difficult to convince myself to take him in that second round. Now,
0: moving on to our last injury, uh, Jared Kelenic, uh supposedly w- is now out with a knee injury, but it was labeled as a grade two adductor strain. Now I was looking into this on Twitter. Apparently the adductor muscle is a groin muscle. It is not a knee issue. So we're, and this is according to Dr. Jesse Morse, too. I was, I was watching some videos that he put on, on Twitter. Great follow, by the way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know if this is being misreported, but if it's a groin pull and it's a grade two groin pull, this is not a one-week thing as they're portraying it to be, I don't think. Uh, he was, Dr. Morse also said Jamal Adams had the same issue uh, for the Jets, the Jets' safety, and it took him eight weeks to come back with the same grade two Oof. adductor strain. Uh, I mean, this might be the what the Mariners were waiting for. I mean, they can keep Kellinik and the minors for a while. I mean, I was gonna say, um, I was gonna
1: say they're looking for any reason not to bring
0: him up. Which, anyways. Is, which is why I'm surprised it hasn't been reported as anything more serious. They're even saying, "Oh, he'll be back in a week. He'll be back in a week." I don't see him being back in a week. I don't know. <laughs> and um, also,
1: and also, if the if the triple or if the minor league season it doesn't start until May, yeah, they pushed it back. Like, May. How, how early do you think Kellinik's gonna come up? Like, I think I feel like it's gonna be the All Star break probably before we see him um it just feels really unrealistic for people to be drafting him uh especially at his cost
0: yeah i mean to stash him for... he's going even higher in the tgfbi leagues than he was going in nfbc Ugh. nfbc he was around pick 200 tgfbi is around 165 170 i mean uh, and even after the injury news he got taken in my league today it was a, yesterday it was
1: a hard pass for me before this and it's it's an even harder pass
2: for me now john
0: do you hold prospects like this uh I mean, you do a lot of draft and hold. You do best ball. Is this is this a strategy for you?
2: Yeah, it's a strategy to w- have other people do it. Yeah, you watch them and, laugh. <laughs> and uh, I and usually consider most of them a wasted pick. Kelnick, maybe the exception. He's really the uber prospect and all that stuff. Plus, you did get confirmation from the front office he was going to get the rock. So I understood fully where he was going. I'm all about that. I'm not. You know, myself, I'm not the prospect guy, but I do follow it, and I know he's supposed to be awesome. So right. I did understand it. Now, abandon ship, forget all of that, just get away from it altogether because you have vagueness in the reporting. Like you said, you have a front office that didn't really want him up, but kind of current events and a big old foot in the mouth kind of you know, yeah. derailed that plan. Yeah. So they had no choice but to try and save some face and stick him forward And now, no, now they're going to have to be careful with him for the real reasons of not sacrificing the crown jewel while your team is not really ready. All-star break sounds pretty good to me. He's going to be hurt. Then he's going to need reps, right? So I I would not be expecting him to be impactful in the first half at all. This kind of brings up the question, you know, you mentioned DC play. I was already trying to figure out who was going to be getting those pre-Kelmick plate appearances now mm-hmm. there appears to be quite a few of those and i don't know real. i don't really know where to go if it's Marmalehos the, uh, or the like, Mariners, DeMarley, DeMar- Haggerty, the mariners
1: the mariners beat reporter was uh i forget which one i think it might have been divish uh was saying it's going to be jake fraley apparently um because we had originally thought marmalay would be the uh, yeah. incumbent but they
0: said no it's it's probably going to be yeah, fraley they've been putting so. fraley in left yeah all right maybe a, I
2: thought maybe a guy Haggerty. that i had
0: plenty of last year and got nothing out of him
2: yeah, well, that's my Haggerty shares. I thought that's who. Yeah. Maybe I think they're going to get some little power speed out of him. Nope. I guess not.
0: It's <laughs> another former Indians farmhand. We'll there. see. Fraley could fall on his face again. Uh, it's, yeah. It's possible. So, I mean, he's fine as a late DC pick, but we're all out on Kellenick now for sure. Yeah. Um, a few relievers. I, I, I want to add a couple to our show notes. Oh, yeah. I was go ahead. of them, uh, Craig Kimbrell got shelled in his first spring outing. And then for the twins, <laughs> Taylor Rogers and Alex Colome both got blasted. <laughs> um, Are we concerned about any of those guys? I mean, our listeners know how we stand on Taylor Rogers, Alex Colomay. But are we concerned about their performance due to these one outings, John?
2: No, not at all. No, not, not at all. He's a pro's pro. He's been doing this a really long time for all we know. He could be experimenting. Some guys go out and only throw breaking stuff. So until I did the full research and pulled away all the layers of that onion, I wouldn't be making any decisions yet. Cause I don't know what, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But, uh, spring training results really one of the very last things I'm looking for.
0: In general, are you, uh, are you drafting Kimbrel? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I, only for a role. It's more of a role thing. Now I guess I should cover them both. Again, I, I kind of play all these different leagues. They all have different applications. So for draft and holds, Kimbrel is one of the guys on a short list of people. You could see having the job from wire to wire. And I feel like those probabilities are very small for everybody. So that's where he checks that box. Sometimes he falls back to 160 or 165, 170. And I think he's perfect. I mean, I Uh, like fab leagues, uh, man, I'd rather have one really solid guy because my hope is one of the few guys with the potential for 30 will save me a few roster spots in the back, but I could churn and burn that second guy. I don't think I have enough confidence in Kimbrell. We've seen the bottom end. I don't know. The Cubs bullpen in general. I don't really like pitching in Wrigley. Yeah. There's a couple of red flags for me I'm not, I'm not into.
0: Yeah, I'm still worried Kim, Kimbrell's going to revert to those control issues that he's been having. Uh, it's those,
2: the outcomes.
1: It's possible. It's, it's the role, though, man. Like,
0: they kept going back to him even yeah. when he was horrific. Oh, yeah. They're, they're paying
1: him a lot, and they, they don't have a lot of options. They are dedicated to Craig Kimbrell, so um, yeah. I will say. He announced say it outright. He announced if,
2: it. David Ross announced it
1: yeah i mean he he's as secure as you can be given his uh shaky skill set so i definitely think there's value in that <laughs> right but no um, in general we don't care about getting shelled in spring training like the yeah. things we care about are strikeout rate walk rate and innings pitched and, and at bats like yeah. those are those are what we know are important uh we don't really he got hit up but i think it was
0: probably like some singles in a home run or something so I'm not concerned about the results. And to that point, Colome is also he's notorious for being horrendous in the spring. And, oh yeah, and Columne has been sparkling the last few years, despite right. those poor springs. so yep. Uh, Jack Flaherty came back with a better second outing. Uh, after that first disaster, partially due to Angel, <laughs> Angel Hernandez's Hernandez. lovely umpiring. Um, he struck, I think he struck one batter out three times and didn't get the call either time or any time. He but, struck uh, out
1: one guy, the one got three fucking times, and he had, to ke- he had to keep striking him out. And then the, the ump did, like, Angel Hernandez just refused to call the strike. It's like, oh, my God,
0: dude. <laughs> John, what are your thoughts on Flaherty after the second batter outing?
2: Well, my, my thoughts on that at bat was the announcing crew saying angel yeah hernandez yeah they
0: didn't pull any punches formal. yeah
2: that was phenomenal. angel angel
0: hernandez is in mid-season form yeah that, that reminds me too.
2: one of one of my twitter followers of course you know i'm handicapping so when you handicap you have a microscope out like yeah. if you think a fantasy player is mad about an at-bat imagine if your money's lost right on that bat. oh yeah so i like to follow the umpire editor i don't know if auditor i don't know if you guys ever checked the umpire auditor i've we heard i've heard out. of it you can you can Screenshot the uh, strike zone miss for him, and he'll go and dig up the video from Statcast with the measurements of the miss, and then he like rates them and stuff. Yeah, it's really good. Like it helps you kind of just just kind of purge some of that, you know, some of that frustration. Uh, Flaherty (laughs) himself, I love Jack Flaherty. I was the high man on Flaherty going into last year, and at the I had him over Bieber, and that was a kick in the pants. Really kept me from really. Really painted him on Lisa last season. But, man, we got to be careful dinging Flaherty. He had I, – I shouldn't just single him out, but the Cardinals. Right. Had the wonkiest of all the schedules. Yes. Nobody was allowed to get into any kind of groove. This guy, to me, is an ace. What I'm really disappointed in is that the market seems to agree with me. Yeah. I was hoping he would fall, and that hasn't really been the case. Maybe it's also with – out of DH, Flaherty's a you know a pitcher that stands to gain from that. He also is in a pretty good context. Yep. I don't know the Cardinals' offense. I never like it on paper. It always seems to get it done. Adding Arenado should certainly help, right? But the right. Cardinals' offense isn't really overwhelming, but they get it done, and the divisional context is very good. So you could see Flaherty getting some Cy Young votes. I think that's in the cards. That slider is one of my favorite pitches.
0: But um, pss, I don't know if that was intentional.
1: Wait, <laughs> he what? said it- you said it's in the cards oh so. uh, oh
2: wow that was good yeah Nancy? of course i did that on purpose you're, you're I, damn you good john. brilliant yeah. or not obviously stop playing uh, coy. For, don't play coy with us yeah, for those yeah, of right, you right,
1: right. for those of you who aren't watching john which is all of you because we don't share our video but i just saw john just stop and look confused and like wait what, <laughs> what, what did i, I know just miss <laughs>
2: Wait, so, so, so back on track, cause that's what I was afraid of. of. I derail <laughs> everything around me. I'm like a, nope. a devil. we, we do like, that every show. Um, Flaherty, uh, man, I'm, I'm worried. Not about him or about the career or the ceiling. Really. My worries, it might just take some time to get into all the groove because for me, again, yeah. I mentioned that word routine and regiments for pitchers. They're definitely creatures of habit. And he's kind of been disallowed from having his. So I right. want to be extra patient with Flaherty. Not like anyone is going to drop him, I think you need to keep that in mind. I think he's going to be fine. Fu- I think he's going to be just fine.
1: I think he's going to be fine. I don't know if he should be going in the second round. I don't know if his skills translate to going that high. I think if you were going closer to where Maeda goes, more in like that 40, you know, 40, 45 ADP area where you can get him in the in the mid to late third, I think he would be great there. I don't know if he should be going in the mid to late second. That's my only real concern. And Rob Silver did a good job of breaking it down and showing like, you know, his, his K percentage is lower and um, you know, but I think he's a very safe guy. Like, I think he should be healthy. He should like, I don't see him putting up a stinker of a year. I just don't know if he's the guy that you want to say, this is my ACE to build your staff around. That's really what it comes down to for me.
0: Yeah. I've been in, I've been wavering, uh, the the price is high. The price is high coming off a year last year that right. as as you said, John, it, it right. should have dinged him a little bit, but right. it it the the pitching is so expensive this year that it didn't happen. It's
1: so sparse. That's like right. there's no yeah. there's not that much top end talent. That's why people are going to be I think you're going to see a lot of um of Degrom
0: Cole Bieber 1 2 3 in main events. He's, I think he's uh, starting to go a little bit cheaper than say your your Aaron Nolas or your Woodruffs in the auctions. So I have a little bit of hope that um well, you should. Maybe be that'll. That'll. I, I don't know. If he if he starts pitching really well, he might creep up to that point again because yeah. he was at that point before and then and started to drop down uh, when Woodruff was getting pumped up. I, I they kind of almost switch places. Uh He and Woodruff. Yeah. Um. Okay. That's that's about all we have for our news today. Unless uh, you well, know, I think that's good. I think we've spent enough time. Yeah. I think we yeah. need to move on. Let's let's talk about you, John. Um, right. we, we want to hear all about you. We know you have lots to say. We know hey, you have a very storied history with it, it is, it is quite the tapestry as you would, as you would refer to it. <laughs> um, how exactly did you get into fantasy baseball? Uh, we know you have kind of a, a handicapping background. You have an investment background. You have a tradesman background. What, what got you into fantasy baseball in the first place?
2: It's, it's actually in my bloodline. You know, there's baseball and baseball stats in my blood. Wow. Um, one of my favorite stories, I, tell you, I can tell it in 30 seconds, is back from my aunt, my aunt Josephine. She was one of those four foot tall, little old Italian ladies. And One of her favorite baseball stories would be back in the 50s when the Yankees and the Dodgers were going at it. You could walk around the neighborhood. They were in, you know, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, always. You could walk to the store without missing a pitch of the game because everyone had it on the radio. And then even the store was on the radio and you'd never miss it. And the entire community was very tied into baseball. So my family was always very tied into baseball. And then they went through that funny kind of break when the Dodgers left a big piece of my family was heartbroken. Then you had some people that said, well, we need a team. So we're going to go to the Yankees because at least they stayed there loyal. And then you had some people that said, I'm going to kind of I can't really follow the Dodgers, but I already hate the Yankees. And then they became Mets fans, so I always had baseball and kind of that, you know, joking around. And then even more so, my dad was always a stratomatic guy. So growing up, my dad was throwing dice and his friends are screaming and drinking beer, <laughs> and I had no idea what was going on, but I knew they had these really cool baseball stadiums. Right? Have you ever seen it, guys? They you build the stadium out of cardboard, or this is how they used to do it back in the. No, yeah. I don't no, know.
0: We we're not it. privy to stratum. I mean, we hear all about it. I know kind of how it works, but no, we never played it.
2: So the coolest part of it is let's say I'm playing you, we play in my quote unquote stadium and it's grown men with like baseball dioramas. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Some of them are outstanding. The craftsmanship, the green felt for the grass and the white for the lines with stands and people in it. It's, it's just incredible. You know, so I always had baseball always. I was into baseball cards. I played. So baseball was a part of my life. Always Yankees, Yankees. My blood is pinched right. So, you know, I, I took to fantasy baseball, you know, kind of naturally I liked it and it was stats. Plus it was a good way to connect with friends, especially New uh, York. Know, it was a good way of keeping people in touch that maybe had separated, you know, to keep. uh
1: We're people having had- some audio issues network here.
2: Work together. So fantasy baseball filled that and filled those gaps, you know, all my interest. And then really it just kind of took off from there and, as time grew on, you kind of get older. It's hard to have hobbies that don't pay the bills at all, particularly (laughs) when you have a hot wife and kids that need food and lights and stuff like that. So (laughs) it's the truth though, you know, we, I joke, but it really is the truth. There's the person who spends all night on the couch playing video games without any money earned, or you can try and take your hobby, your passion and monetize it, right. Trying to turn it into a small business. So that was it. I was always a small business guy, Jake mentioned uh, being a tradesman. Part of being a tradesman is being unemployed. So when you're a high-end electrician, let's say, listen, I've had year-over-year totals that are awesome. You make a lot of money. It's a lot of fun. Challenging for the mind and the body. It's awesome. But you can be out of work with weather or whatever the case may be. I'm not the type to sit around with my feet up. I like to build and build and build, create income streams. So fantasy baseball was like an income stream at first that doesn't happen often enough because you only get paid at the end. Then that was probably the bridge into me seeing the overlapping and the intertwining of trading with betting and fantasy all at once. All of the, listen guys, the risk management that we talk about constantly, a lot of times you might not know if we were talking about fantasy baseball or t- trading. They're, they're that mm-hmm. similar. Yeah, they're that similar. And so player really shares, a history. yeah. Yeah. It was, it's just a lot of history and a lot of passion. And again, man, I just have a thing for money. I'm a bit of a money magnet. I've always kind of made, I just do things. I get into things that people are interested in, I guess. And I'm interested in them and people gravitate to it. And a lot of times they have money attached to them. And bam, from there, I opened up a professional, uh, a futures trading company. And then, you know, I wrote the algorithm after I got hurt and then kind of became a professional handicapper, then realized If I wanted to be an expert at MLB, I'd have to spend all year. And I hope nobody that covers baseball and football takes this the wrong way. But I do mean it in the wrong way a little bit, right? Let's get a little no-filter action first time. (laughs) If you're spending four months on football of your year, you cannot keep up with me if I'm focusing on baseball. That's, That's a fact. And for you to assert that you can, is insulting my intelligence. And now I'm going to work even harder. I'll get up a half an hour earlier every single day, just because you think that. So it's re- it was really the truth. And when I'm getting at to the specialization of trade, I wanted to be the best. And this these new off-season fantasy games really bridged the gap for me and just tied everything in. You know, where now I'm exposed to baseball starting in Thanksgiving, f- round the clock, using trading terminology... And trade indication, we talk about ADP moving. In betting, it's called closing line value. And in you know, trading, you're just ahead. You could call it, you know, you could trail your profits, let's say, but it's a lot of this similar thinking that I have a knack for, but I've also spent thousands of hours on people. And yeah, man, it's funny. I've just become this amalgamation of where man, it's in my it's in my hook for the for cork stats where profit meets baseball. That's kind mm-hmm. of my thing. Anything that's sports now, look guys, I've even branched out into baseball cards, right? I mean, I, just, yeah. I can't, be, I can't be stopped. I won't be stopped. I can't be stopped. There's extra minutes <laughs> in the day and I'm going to find a way to make money doing it.
0: Yeah. Your raffles are taking off. That's for sure. It was, it was they a do good... really,
2: yeah, yeah. Every, You know what, man? Again, it, it comes down to the brand, you know, and it's, I'm half here to toot my own horn. Right. But it's not like I'm so great. I'm just so genuine. I People love me because of my flaws They don't love me because I'm perfect Nor do I claim to be perfect I'm the furthest thing from perfect I thrive on my failures I welcome them I embrace them Looking to improve off them Yeah, that's you, a great it's an attitude You know, yep. that's, it's, it's, that's it I wanted to be my own boss And retire before I was 40 My birthday is on Earth Day There's a little rhyme for you And I'll be 39 And, you know, I'm pretty close to making the dream happen I don't, you know, I'm not working Wifey's not working We're doing something right yeah, but, yes, sir. But I For tend sure. to pe- but I tend to piss people off while I do it. <laughs> I have no
1: idea what that's like, John. You'll yeah, have to Dave, tell me about that. You just,
2: Dave. What, why don't why don't you zip it? Because you wouldn't understand. Okay, <laughs> me and Bad Boy Jake are going to relate. Oh, to absolutely. You, okay? yes. <laughs> the heel, the I, heel. I wear my heels. leather
0: jacket and uh, and chains to yeah. The, to John, the, John Cena the over here getting booed
1: because he'll
2: never yeah. make the heel turn. <laughs> You know, I guys... Or, I am the oh, eternal face, yeah. I didn't... I was going to do it at first, but then I realized I didn't want to see it. This is almost... This is funny. This sounds like a topic we're going to get into later. A lot of times I, I get into things where I they think they're kind of funny or I get emotionally bought into it and then I realized maybe it wasn't a good idea. So I had the demolition theme music queued up for when you <laughs> when you introduced me and I was going to start playing that. Uh, running Just a running joke for everybody listening. You know, Dave... Dave is like the greatest guy. I Man, he's so nice. He's so helpful. He always reaches out. It doesn't matter. But of course, he's a heel. He's a bad guy. Whatever. And I kind of get the same thing because I can be. I'm not speaking for Dave. This is me. I'm brash. I know I can be obnoxious. I can be assertive, and I don't care. You know. So I know it's gonna a little. Listen, a little again it comes with the territory a bit. But I do just find that for somebody that spends so much time helping others that I get so much flack, you know? I, know, I really do. I get so much flack, man. People talk so much shite and I don't care. I really don't care. <laughs> I kind of thrive <laughs> off it. Not, and I don't, I don't want it to, this to sound egotistical, like, uh, with the rent free in your head thing. No, for me, it's, it's very, it's very business driven. The time that you're spending on me, I'm working and I'm creating more of a gap between the two of us. That's the only, that's the lens that I see everything through interesting me yeah. improving. And if you're going to worry about me, what I'm doing or this or that good, you worry about that. I'll be over here working. You let me know when you're ready to talk again. And that's kind of my approach to everything This this kind of balls to the wall, six gear tip of the spear, you know, willing to fall flat on my face, but, you know, I've started businesses and I've had some fail. I've had some succeed, started ventures, have some succeed, have some fail. And, you know, not to get too Tony Robbins, right. But there's a lot of life lessons in fantasy baseball. And I think that's part of what I love about it so yeah.
1: much. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's that's where a lot of this comes from for us, because I always tell people, you know, it's it's not like I came into this like Phil or Toby, where I just, uh, you know, came in and won all this big money. The, the first, Like I didn't have some system that I used to. To just game everybody. Like uh, we've made our fair share of failures. You know, I've been playing for a long time, guys. Like this is something that I have been doing, you know, since I was like 12 and I'm 37 now. So like 25 years of playing fantasy baseball. Now, not all that is relevant anymore. Totally different game back then, you know, than it is now, but um, I've learned all these lessons before. And so like when I'm trying to help people and that's, and when Jake and I came into this, that was our number one goal. We want to help people become better fantasy baseball players. And this that is not going to
0: make us millionaires. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, well, hopefully maybe we can work with John on something and come to some kind of collaboration here where we can make some money out of this. Cause honestly, John, w- our issue is we're not great at, uh, outside of winning leagues. We're not that great at making, uh, monetizing, uh, what we do yet. We're hoping to, uh, to figure that out, but, Um, our goal when we started this podcast was to make people better players. And it's telling people the things that they don't necessarily want to hear. And I know that I get a lot of flack for that, but I stand by the fact that I know that this is going to help people become better players. If you, if, if you pay attention, and if you learn from your failures, like you said, you know, it's not about how many times you fall out, fall down. It's how many times you get back up. So failing, is fine. It's about learning from those failures and guys, I've been learning from these failures for a long time. And that's why when I tell people things, it's coming from a place of, of love, but I don't want to just glad hand you and tell you everything you do is great. Cause that's not helping you. Right. That's not making you a better player. And I, I know that the, the way uh, the problem, John, is I think you and I don't necessarily translate that well. Sometimes when it's over 280 characters um, yeah. we need a little bit more to express ourselves. So you know, when I say things and I, and I have this issue too, with texting, sometimes I'll text something. Uh, my friend Marcus got upset about something the other day and I was like, I, d- I didn't mean it that way, man, you know, and, uh, you know, Jake and Tony know me since high school. So they, they know better, but you know, we, we still have communication issues when you're not communicating face to face. Um, you're taking something away and you're not yeah. completely getting the whole picture. You're not getting tone inflection and all that. And, uh, all that is important to take into account because you and I, John, we're trying to help people and uh and if people choose to vilify us, eh, you know, I, I don't know what we can really do about that. But um, I know you got a big heart, man, and uh I, I feel you on that. Unlike yeah. you though, I actually do care. So No, I don't care. I I know, I know. <laughs> I need to get to the point like you where I can just stop caring about things. Uh no, it's funny, don't get me wrong. Like, I,
2: I don't want to make it like the friendships I've made are not real or any of that was fake. I'm a genuine person. I listen, I have so much love and I I'm really engaging right I I like to get into people's interests and I feel like that's how you build these connections right we started with fantasy baseball and then we kind of learn other stuff and that's how you bridge but you know that's kind of part of me yeah I'm just gonna listen I gotta be me I'm gonna be yeah unapologetic especially when people try to assign intentions on I I was gonna say me but anyone in general and that's one of the major problems with the toxic cesspool that is social media people <laughs> imposing inflection and assigning intentions to others, which yeah. are just not the case. You know, if you have a problem with something, I said or the way I did something, if you know anything about me, the best way to get your answer would be to just ask me, yep. you know, I mean, you're exactly. going to get ex- I'm going to tell you exactly what time it is. Any <laughs> no matter what, that's just it. And, and I, I wonder if that's why it's easier for some people to, it's easier to just fill in the story about me and create the narrative that you think fits best than to actually think, damn, this freaking crazy ass meatball is actually, <laughs> you know, smart, but genuine. And maybe there, you know, there is some compassion there. It's easy for people to just paint you a certain way. Your ex, X, gets dealt with Y and that's it. And yeah. I, I, man, where I've gotten... Not only, Dave, (laughs) you got to totally flip the attitude because not only do I not care if someone tells me I have a bad idea, my, my best business ideas, I mean this, this is not an exaggeration. The way that you know you've had a great idea is when the 20th person in a row tells you you're crazy. Go to the bank, take out a loan, and fund that idea. Those are the good ideas. When everybody is on the cruise ship going left, you're going to see my ass slinking to the right because the (laughs) average person, here's a great quote. This is George Carlin, okay? Think about how stupid the average person is and then realize half the people are stupider than that. Okay. Don't, I don't want anything to do with the masses. I want to be alone because I've got a better chance of being a right on my own than with the sheep, bro. I don't run with the sheep. And, you know, you hate to be like that, but it's true to lions. Do not. Do not concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. I don't care because I'm moving. I'm building businesses. I'm getting jobs. I'm putting together projects. I have the uh, sick proprietary graphing tool coming out for my betting algorithm. Like I'm looking to change the way people do this. I don't care what if you, if slips it this way, Dave, if you don't get the hate, then you ain't great. Because <laughs> that's how you know you're not. If you're not ruffling feathers, you're not cutting edge.
0: Sorry, Jake. Oh, no, no.
2: <laughs> I just let
0: right. Dave take all the heat.
2: No, that's, so come that's on. the. <laughs>
1: That's the thing. People who actually know Jake, he's, he's actually further extreme on, on a bunch of the points that I get yelled at than I am. But nobody knows that because I don't <laughs> portray myself
0: that way. John, John you, you kind of reminded me of something that happened to Dave. It, it was it was more. Oh God, I mean, it was go. both. Yeah, we had uh, somebody. This was since worked out, but we had we had someone on Twitter that was accusing Dave of lying to everybody about, you know, his oh, information on players just just to make everybody fail so he could take advantage of it. Like, do you ever get people saying that to you? Something so so like that?
1: here's the thing. He was saying, you're a high stakes player. There's no way you're going to share as much information that you do and then play against these people. And I said, dude, <laughs> go back and look at what I said last year. I was telling everybody, avoid sale, avoid Verlander, draft Bieber, like everything. Uh, Rosenthal uh you know and then some stuff like hater I was wrong but I was like you know avoid hater but if you look at my drafts that's exactly what I did and he was like well how would you do that and still play I'm like look man I still won my main event league like the guy in my draft did take Rosenthal ahead of me and say thanks for the tip uh so that bit me in the ass Oh man. yeah (laughs) yeah I mean look hey I made the decision a while ago that I was going to be an analyst and you can't be an analyst without sharing things right like i don't have the ability to be behind a paywall right now maybe someday hopefully that'll happen but i'm sharing things that legitimately i'm acting on so you absolutely can use this against me if that is going to move the needle for you um i just feel like if you're good enough you can you can be flexible and and adapt so that's that's you know people who think that they can take police act in front of me and that's going to destroy me it's not i'll find someone else it's it's not about that for me. I can always adapt and draft. So, but yeah, we had somebody accusing me of not being genuine. And I feel like you can say a lot of things
2: about me. I don't think that's something that you can say about me. Yeah, genuine is one thing. That's one box we have pretty well checked. Mine is like <laughs> you know, covered in permanent ink. There's no undoing <laughs> maybe,
1: that one. Maybe <laughs> too genuine
2: sometimes, but yeah, definitely like that's, yeah. If anything, if anything, I I'm so concerned with properly representing to make sure that the the full truth is out there, even at my own, you know, even if it's to my own detriment, but yeah, to No, no. That's, that's one thing that I really, I have not really faced because I I'm hoping this is what Jake meant when he meant my, was talking about my style. I really show a lot of the work. So it's almost like a math problem. Whether or not you agree with my answer, it's like, don't even talk to me. The work is right there. You know, the page of... Mm -hmm. The way that I got there, I did all the math for you. Yeah. And that math is correct. So whether or not you think it's actionable or not is one thing. That's the thing. I don't really assert predictions. It's more... I You know, I use use the word tapestry. I I weave together the tapestry and I try and paint the best picture that I can. But as far as genuine, I, I think... I think people know the work is it, my work is genuine. I'm working, I'm working at it. Oh, if yeah. I were doing all this work just to throw people off for the small chance that it might affect the singular draft I was in. We really in the wrong business yeah. and yeah. should be quantum yeah. computing somewhere. You know,
0: <laughs> you're definitely not getting a good inv- a return investment on your time. That's for sure. No.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah.
0: Um, so speaking yeah. of your investments, um, what, what, in general what league types do you like to play is it is it a lot of best ball a lot of draft and hold or do you branch out into other stuff
2: yeah well right now uh, since i've taken the leap into kind of doing this stuff professionally right i don't even know what you call it somebody kind of asked me the other day i'm like i i really don't even know i don't i don't know what i am i'm just a thing i'm just a guy i'm in the baseball ethos trying to make money i like to get as much money on the table as possible while being responsible with it and because Handicapping takes up a a ton of time Obviously the games hit the board And it's almost seemingly like by the time the last game ends The next one is only a few hours away So I equate it to building a sandcastle Like right on the shoreline And it's constantly getting washed away The thing with this is You gotta be careful Uh, There's a great quote here somewhere It might be Nietzsche About staring into the (laughs) abyss For too long Like lest ye become it So you got to be careful. This also happens in trading. People sit down at the trading desk staring at every five minute candle and you lose the big perspective. Baseball is a marathon. It's not a sprint. What I'm getting at is this. You can't go, even at my speed, even I can't go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, eight months in a row. You got to take days off. You got to build them into your process just like everything else to sustain yourself. So the way that manifests for me is on Sundays. I hang out with the family. I decompress. I'm, I make balloon animals. I do sock puppets. I'm like a, I could be a clown. Don't, hold your joke. Hold the obvious joke, guys. You're not that funny. <laughs> if you piece that joke together. Okay, right? you're not that funny. But I could do. I could do birthday parties on the weekends. But my family's everything, you know. And that's why I wanted to be independent to spend my time with them. The reason this is pertinent is high stakes fantasy baseball happens really on Sunday, and I can't partake in it. The Mm -hmm. way I need to, it's hard enough to set the DC lineups. Those I find time for that's fine, but I can't do fab properly with all that money on the line, especially men. I'm just being honest. I had six days of work. I have one day off by the time I get home Sunday, I might be knocking back a bottle of wine with my wife. You know, we're trying to enjoy ourselves, maybe watching a movie. I'm trying to be the dad, the man, the husband, the father I need to be. And it just doesn't work with fantasy baseball. So when these new games opened up, my mind was blown. I might be the preeminent high stakes best baller anywhere, just because there aren't that many of them. And I'm in all of them. So there might be other people that are co-preeminent best ballers, but I think I might have the the top spot because I'm in every one of these leagues. Reason why there's the rewind to the very beginning, getting all that money on the table responsibly because there's no in-season management so now i'm able to keep processing the draft board as it moves without having to commit any more time to it jake so i love those new games i do like season long but i'm at the point in life where i want to play for a lot of money and it's a it's very difficult for me and i'm i have never really played with a partner i'm trying to play uh matt and i are playing in a smaller stakes league we're trying to play an meq Matt Davis? just to get our feet wet. Me and Matt Williams, because him and oh, I, Matt Williams, yeah, me and Matt are very close. I think he's brilliant. He I is. Work yeah. oftentimes overlaps, but also when he comes to you and says, "I don't like this guy," you better be prepared. He's going to give you a good argument. You better be prepared to, you know, to defend yourself. Yeah, so absolutely. Matt, <laughs> yeah, Matt. Matt and I work together very. We actually work together very well. Maybe I come across like I'd be difficult to work with. I'm not. I'm the opposite. I, I, I don't really, care. and that's I don't care but it comes from the volume perspective. It also comes from the stock market. There are many studies done where price entry is almost irrelevant management. It was what matters. And I think that's another thing that transfers over to fantasy baseball. You could almost Dave, you can almost give us any viable roster, right. And let you GM it. And you're going to do better than somebody that had a great draft and doesn't know what they're doing.
1: I'd like to think so. Yeah. Um, but I know that being with a partner it, it is very much how you two gel together and, and listening to uh to Matt and Michael Simeone you can tell that they're both pretty laid back guys like yeah. um while Matt Matt is probably the ideal partner honestly because he's super uh knowledgeable and yeah. like you said brilliant on all these players but I think if you come in with okay here's here's from a strategy perspective because that's that's like the one thing where I don't know if he translates to being like an elite fantasy baseball player because I don't know, um, if he, if he plays fantasy baseball with that strategy coming in, I, I don't know. I'm not, know i am not not saying he doesn't, I just, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he does in this tag team league with us, but I know that like Tony and I come in with a definitive, uh, plan and Tony kind of goes along with a lot of what I want to do while also interjecting what he wants to do, but it is very much like, a you have to fit well together. I don't think me and someone else with a very different plan coming in would work well together. You know yeah, what I mean? No, like I kind of guide the ship and, and uh, I mean, I guess I come in with a plan and then Tony kind of guides it along and then helps me with like the, um, the fab bidding and all that stuff and making sure we have money at the end of the year. Cause that was my main weakness in, in playing. Um, but okay, yeah, you're I th- on
2: the wheel. He's on the gun, man. Takes yeah. two men to fly next wing.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's I'm really interested to see how it works with you and Matt though. And I don't I don't think you'd be difficult to work with, John. I mean, I said I told you before I'd be open to it if you wanted to do something
2: so. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it works out just so we can get our hat in the main event ring.
1: This oh, okay. isn't something
2: we had on the notes, but the, every every off season it's bound to come up that unless you're playing in the main event, you know, you <laughs> have to withhold certain opinions or you don't have a right to nah. this and that well then I would be the only non high stakes player with thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this. You know what I'm saying? And then come to betting, it's like, dude, the 1700 that goes into the th- it's not the money. though, not in the main event. You know, I might, I might, jeez, man, I might have 15, 25K through my book a week. You know what I'm saying? There's so much money going on in gambling. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to upplay this Vegas Dave. I'm going to start carrying on stupid purses or whatever. But in betting, a lot of times, something comes out in the wash. You know, you take two steps forward, take one step back. So a lot of times yeah. you're, you're recycling the same cash, let's say. But it's a high cash. There's a lot of cash moving around. And there are high stakes money decisions. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating when it's like, oh, well, you know, you, you can't do this. I'm like, dude, I opened up a futures company. We were trading ES. And if you know anything about trading, ES is the cash futures market for the SP500. It's the gold standard in cash trading. And it's also like, if you want to lose your hair, that's where you go. Oh. If if there was a market that was me, that's what it is. It's like, it's 150 EV, <laughs> you know, for real. Yeah. No, and we, we've <laughs> we
1: always said, you know, NFPC, it's not like you have to play. And, you know, you also have to differentiate NFBC isn't just the main event, they have all these other things. The main event is just where, at the live main events, I just know there's a lot of sharks comparative to oh, yeah. other leagues. You know, like any other individual league is going to be hard pressed to match up to a live main event league. It's not Dave, that,
2: Dave, can I, can I say one thing? Yeah, I wanted to get this question since we're on the no filter thing, right? All right, because I, I, I'm I'm not ashamed to say this, and I'm like a new NFBC player. That's yeah. where the best players are. So you could say this: the main event is where the best players go. Okay, the World Series of Poker. That's where the best players go to show who is the best, to prove who's the best. That doesn't mean the single best player in the world is at this event. Right? Part of being the best is ponying up the cash and getting in the arena. Okay, that's, that's part of it. That's the last part of being the best. Once you do the research, you do the studying, you do the skill, you get a little bit of action and some success. The last thing is getting in the ring with the rest of those people willing yeah. to – to mix it up with the best. So if the best fantasy baseball player in the world is somewhere out there knocking down a hundred dollar Yahoo leagues, well, you know what? I can't, I don't know what to do with that. It doesn't mean yeah, much. To there's, right. no, there's no standard it's, to judge
0: it by.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just that the main event is the best measuring stick that we right. have That's to, me- to yeah. measure against. That's, it's not, again, it's, it's, it's kind of like I've said, um, most of the best basketball players in the world are in the NBA, but it doesn't mean that there's not some street ballers out there right. in Brooklyn. That's- you know, who could, who could ball with them and, and, you know, be better than a lot of the guys. I just, I don't, we don't know them because they're not playing at that level. So we yeah. just, I, we don't have a measure. I'm really
2: glad that the guys at NFPC who do fantastic work went with these main event qualifiers, because to me, now you're kind of shutting up those people that, Oh, $700. No. Okay. Now you can get a partner and split a $125 league. Right. If you cannot split that, and trust me, I'm not going to wallet shame anybody. I've been very no. fortunate in life. I made some good decisions. You cannot be considered among the best if you can't scrap up, you know, sixty-two bucks. Sixty-two fifty. Right. Yeah. That, I'm sorry, that they're, means you've
0: been playing free leagues the whole time. And...
2: Right. right there is a there is a certain point where you have to put up a shut up, and it doesn't mean you have to pay a thousand dollar DC or a twenty-five thousand dollar entry fee. That's not it. But right. hey, man these MEQs get in the door for a buck 25 win your way in and then make some noise and yep. prove your point. Yeah. But again, you're only going to prove your point in the arena with the best. So while I, I know there is this, I don't know where it even came from. I don't find any of the NFBC coverages particularly snooty at all. You know, no, I don't think I, anybody feels that way. Most of the NFBC we're guys not not are not trying to do that. sweethearts. No, I think you guys are total sweethearts. Yeah. Most of the, most of the guys I've met are, are great guys. So I think it's a bitterness and it's a misconception about money that it comes from. I think that really, that's what it comes from. You think, cause I, I had the same thing when I heard before I knew about the NFBC and I just hear about it, it's this, you know, it's the boogeyman, right? It's this, <laughs> everybody has thousands and thousands. Who's going to deal with this? This is crazy. And then you find it's not. And even no. the guys that play maybe have partners or maybe started with qualifiers and work their way up. So there's there's no reason to not get into the ring now. There's plenty of time to sign up if you're one of those people that think you're being looked down on by the NFBC and think you're doing it better. Listen, they're, they're, they're get you 6250 and a friend, and let's go. Yeah, there you go. I
0: mean, part of I mean, a lot of people treat this as an investment game, even though it is a hobby. And part of that is you know when you, when you make some money, you have to reinvest it, and you you make more money with it. Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's income that I personally depend on, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I it certainly helped me put some some more money down on this house. Say, well, yeah, we got to get go. you
2: into betting, Dave. It's, it looks very nice, by the way, Jay. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the check is behind us uh, we, as we, usual.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that framing didn't uh, didn't come for free either. Um, oh, look at you! Yeah, uh, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> since since there's so much investment talk going on uh, do you, I mean, you play a lot of leagues and you also talked about how you're not buying everybody. You're not, you're not drafting every player. How, how do you approach diversifying them?
2: Yeah. The first thing is when KDS is possible, split those, get yourself in different positions because unlike the later parts of a draft, we have a little more freedom as much as I like to diversify, I'm not going to take fourth round player in the second to be different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so right. the best way is to spread out KDS, spread out your KDS, and then probably keep some kind of log if you can, or at least in the front of your mind, you know, I'm all right. I'm getting a little overweight on Turner. Let's move to story. It's just that simple. It yeah. really is that simple. Think of it as the Valdez rule right now, the Framber rule For, I'm sure there was somebody out there. Guys, this is it, man. Framer's the guy, hundred percent ownership. He's the guy, he's the guy you might have been right. But the fact is, now that one torpedo might have taken down a ton of boats, especially if uh, you take him in the fourth round, fifth round, where we've seen him go. He's been kind of volatile on a per draft basis. But yeah, that's definitely something to look out for.
1: Unfortunately, our friend Michael Simeone uh, took Framber in the fourth round of the Battle of the Pods. I felt bad about that when he went down because he, I mean, he jumped him way up because we didn't or was it the yeah it was the fourth yeah because police act was off the board yeah and a lot we of took him early and, so yeah yeah it was uh it was it was a bad break for him
0: yeah my tgfbi we were fortunate that we were so slow because we we didn't get to the point where framber was, was yeah he's still go. on our draft board. Yeah, She's still yeah so you're one of the slow ones too yeah yep um last question on uh kind of your your process john um at least general process, not specific to this year. How, how do you attack a, a draft and hold league as opposed to a best ball? That's a, that's a point setup. Uh, I
2: actually really like having the two of them because it allows you to draft all the different players that may not fit into one box or the other mm-hmm. I, really, you know, it get, you get to have all the trout and all the Soto, but you keep those in your best ball teams. So you get all your exposure without feeling like maybe you sacrifice steals and stuff like that. So that, that's what I like the most about it. I don't have to reach for guys where they don't fit because they're all a part of the portfolio in one way or another. Best ball, I really like best ball. I know everyone has to find their own niche. I have done extremely well at these 50-50 offerings, whether it be fan tracks now NFBCs offer one. I do extremely well at these. I get in as many as I can. I love it. It fits to my style. We're talking about 12 team leagues where the top five double up, the top and the sixth place gets their money back. Mm -hmm. So in a game where you only need to shoot for the top 50th percentile, it's really more about roster construction, which also when you are keeping the idea of diversification in the front of your mind, is going to help you succeed because people fall right into that pitfall constantly. You could see it. You just know it. And I, I get it. You love Tatis. You know, you love, and maybe the first round is different because again, people take what their slot dictates, but even once you get to the second or third, the person that likes Darvish tends to have them a ton and you got to kind of fight that. Yeah. that's At Harper to Bellinger. Mm-hmm. You have to fight that. You have to, because you lose one of those big pieces and it could yep. really affect Oh yeah. The whole outcome. I mean, yeah. if you back to what I was saying briefly about pricing, maybe not matter um, about pricing, sometimes being arbitrary, I should say is this is the same thing. Meaning Jake or Dave, if I were to hand you a draft that was Gialito Bellinger or Bieber Harper, right. Where they're kind of the same thing, pitcher and outfielder, you have to be able to make those work. So don't be too wed to any one guy. Cause I don't want any of them to sink all those boats. That's pretty much it. And then draft champions is a little more serious. You know, best ball points is very easy to break things down into a single entity. Draft and hold, you really need a strategy. And to be honest, I don't like to juggle too many of those at once. I find it's like a set picture that Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about or a a, a building, you know, something I'm constructing. I don't really like to be distracted from that because it really, man, 50 rounds is so far down range you need to be thinking about handcuffs and late steals and save potential and stuff. Draft and holds a crazy crazy game. I love it because yeah. it presses the back of the player pool which I find helps me make my decisions more informed early. Yep.
1: Yep. yep. And that's that's why Jake does one early in the in the draft season every yep. year around like November to kind of get his uh research started into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I use that kind of as People my engine to get everything goals. going. Yeah. And that's why I've added more. I, I used to just do one and, you know, I, I would do okay with it, but I, I never like won a league just doing one. And ever since I've moved to doing multiple, usually I'll, I'll win one of the two or this year I've added a third. So I need um, to start doing some. Yeah. I, I think they're very helpful. Uh, they, they get me started very early. Um, okay. So specifically to this year, John, um, <laughs> did you have to tweak anything in your process coming off of a short season.
2: No, I didn't have to tweak anything. I had to tweak everything. <laughs> it was it was a it was a nightmare. But again, I I steer into these things. So, the there's one way to look at it. One way to look at it is, "Oh my god, everything is different. I have to change all this stuff the way I see it is. Ooh, everything's different." People right. that are not as adept to change as I am are yep. going to fail to adapt, and yep. I'm going to take advantage of this you know and that's pretty much been my thinking so i think it's really manifested itself in the reaction under or over reactions to 2020 and people creating these very self-serving you know analyses i think is the best way to put it very self-serving yeah if you like the guy and he had a good short set that's all you needed to hear if you liked him and he didn't don't worry about it. You just fit (laughs) this and everything gets wished away with, Oh, but it's, it's a short set. It's a short sample 2020. And it's like 2020 is the answer to to be poor at your job. So I made sure to bring everything back to 2019 and look at that all together. After I looked at 2020 on its own, I do quite a bit. Again, one of these, the benefits to starting, like I was talking about those football guys while well, they're doing fantasy football and all that great stuff. Love it. It's a lot of fun. Woohoo! I like to lose money on Sunday <laughs> too. Um, I'm, I'm scraping my data and I'm really kind of compulsive and maybe I could plug something real quick. One of the articles I did was on the catcher landscape because catching is kind of boring. I thought it might be a cool spot. Plus there's not that many guys to position to to try and share one of these things. So I built a little spreadsheet that I scraped. And again, I'm so compulsive. So everything is like perfectly OCD, neat and formatted and everything is the same and like looks totally beautiful, but you could get it for free at the end of the article and play around and sort everything by all these different things. And I even have them sorted into the baskets that I often talk about. Um, Surface stats, discipline. Elevation, batted ball for a pitcher, earned run indicators or batting averages for a hitter. Again, back to me trying to be objective and not trying to be misframed. I do so much talking. Sometimes people try to accuse me of using framing devices. So a lot of times, like I did with the outfield article, is I have a template argument and put the players almost. It was almost like my version of the shredder, but the shredder is stupid and mine is not.
1: john uh i everything you just said i feel so hard because i'm like you where i was embracing the change of of going from uh the short season to the full season because i was looking at it as i know that i'm going to be able to evaluate this more accurately than than the general player will and that's going to give me another edge which which i'm always looking for those extra edges and you know every time i hear someone either uh make sweeping generalizations one way or the other, like you throw away 2020 completely, or it's, it's the only thing that matters. Like it's neither of those are correct. It's on a player by player basis. And you have to be looking at things to see what, you know, how did they develop? Cause real change happened in 2020, whether it, even, even when you don't believe it happened because the stats, uh, aren't statistically significant enough for you, that's fine, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. And it's up to you to figure that out where it happened, who regressed, who improved and where. And so you really have to look at every player on a player by player basis to make those determinations. And instead, most people are just too lazy. So they'll just make sweeping generalizations to say either fuck 2020 or uh, 2020 is, is uh, all I care about. So, um, you know, we've, we've been over a lot about, individual players and stuff that we saw from 2020 that we believe in and things that we don't. And um, I, when you're, when you're playing at this level, you need to, you need to use those. You need to, you need to not just look at the math, but actually to determine where is the uh, change likely to have occurred and then act on it.
0: Yeah. That's that's the fun of this, man. I, I know we joked kind of before about how the media reports may not be easy to sift through right now, but the, the information and the video and you know, the processes, they're, they're ubiquitous. You you just got to do a little bit of digging on your yep. own. Yep. Um, not everything's being handed to us this year, and it it is pretty fun. I, I think this is, um, I don't know, 2020 was kind of a leveler playing field because of how much was getting thrown on its head at the last minute. I think this is a year that we're going to see maybe that there, there isn't as level of a playing field with the people that are doing the work. I agree.
1: So, John, um, you had like me – you had me on court stats, uh, over the off season, uh, what was it, about a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half, something like that. No
2: more, dude, more was than it? that. I think I did that. That initial <laughs> series was all the way in late December, early January. Oh, wow. That prep okay. series. Felt,
1: it felt like it wasn't that long yeah. ago,
2: but I, I guess it was
1: a couple months ago.
2: Yeah. The um, prep season's flying. Yeah.
1: So I, I know that you kind of wanted to talk to a lot of your favorite analysts and get their, their process. Like how do they get started every year? Yeah. Um, what did you learn from that and how did you apply that going forward, like into 2021? Like, are you taking anything as actionable on your
2: process, like moving forward? Yeah, well, I'm I'm always very malleable. In fact, where most people Ditto. I find are trying to be proven right, I probably trying to prove myself wrong more than I'm trying to prove myself right.
1: Cause it's more valuable. Cause you're yeah. gonna learn more and you're gonna be able to improve. Like well, not everybody's looking to improve. You yeah. hear people saying like, I'm stubborn. That's not the way to be good at, as you know, making money and playing fantasy
2: baseball and those things in general, you need to be malleable. Yeah, the, the word I like to use for these circumstances is scrutiny. Your arguments need to hold up to scrutiny, right? intense scrutiny from yourself. Before you present it, think, how would I dismantle this? And if you cannot, then your argument might be pretty strong. So I like to kind of prepare myself for the retort before I even get into it. Um, As far as the the question, man, I learned it. I learned a ton. The big thing I think I learned, and this is probably something that resonates or transcends beyond fantasy baseball is I learned that my way wasn't the only way. And I think for a bit, I thought it was the only way. It was the only way I could think of. So, you know, it's, it's how I do it. So right. I thought that was like the way. And what I'm getting at is that I, I couldn't even get this far into the show without having mentioned already, the scraping the stats, they have to be organized, everything all in one spot. I spend maybe like a month and a half building these comparative sheets that I format because I like to see... The big picture. I like to see how people grade against the field percentile wise. So I really do all this data, 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 data. And it turns out most of the people I spoke to, and it's not a right or wrong, I'm not better or worse, I'm just different. Kind of follow ideas. Uh, not again. I hope I didn't sound was disparaging. It's not. It's, no, no, no. You know, like Alex Fast. Alex Fast was like he's such. I love Alex. He's so funny. Oh, he's he's like so, one of the so, nicest he's guys like, ever. Dude, he's like a normal version of me. He's like me without <laughs> the drums. Um, so <laughs> he he said he'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Yo, Castillo's changeup is sick," and he'll start Like <laughs> he'll go and he'll have to go on the computer and start looking at it or thinking about a pitch or a sequence or something mm. and that takes him down the rabbit hole you know starts to it, it puts coal in, on the fire and he starts to cook and then wherever his mind takes him where it is not to knock alex where i find that is a problem and this is for me why i don't do it that way i cannot like being overly conservative and particular having all this time to prepare for this test i can't leave any stones unturned for me i'll chase ideas once all the work is done i want to put up the frames i want to get up there i want to, everything squared away first before i start chasing tangents i like to have everything and you know i'm not the most technically kind of savvy guy so combining fan graphs and savant sometimes can be an absolute nightmare for morals. oh you're telling me oh my god yeah yeah, it can be tough. I'm trying to learn. I have on my whiteboard in the next offseason, I'm going to try and learn that player ID stuff. Dave, I'm pretty sure somebody tagged both of us in that in, the, in that tweet. Uh, what was that? It had to do with player ID, and it had to do with transferring the information, and that – oh, God, I don't even like. – I'm so dumb. I don't even know the terminology. <laughs> uh, the was this the, uh, how about this, but I do know bad movies. The tie that binds them is, is the player ID. So what I mean to say is one thing I think they use in common is this player ID that you may, may be able to use to our benefit in combining them. Because if not, I'm doing it like the old fashioned way. I'm like copying and pasting and scraping to sheets. It's a disaster.
1: I mean, yeah. Then it's uh, it's not something that I have the capability to do, as I've mentioned on a few occasions. Um, I'm not as technologically advanced as I need to be. Fortunately, Tony is, um, so I can. And okay. Phil so is another guy. Um, he's the guy who I've learned uh, a lot about yeah. this stuff from because he has such a completely different approach than I do. And similarly to what you were saying, seeing someone else succeed doing things a completely different way than I do yeah. shows me like, okay. Like you said, there's not just one way to do things. Um, you know, we win, but we do it in very different ways, and we and we, we can use questionable
2: language here, right? I keep I actually keep cork stats like G-rated, but we can use questionable language, right? Mm-hmm. The the phrase you're looking for is there's a hundred ways to skin a cat without scratching its asshole. <laughs>
1: That's a new one for me. <laughs> I uh have not heard that one. I've heard the first part of that, not the second half.
2: Oh, that's that's the that's the oft not repeated back end of that. Yeah, that's uh-huh. a, that's one of my that's one of my Back favorites. end
1: there's another one, John.
2: But um Hiyo, hiyo! <laughs> oh, yeah, that is correct, sir. Oh my God! Uh, if I, 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 I'll tell you for a guy that's not forty, I make a lot of like Ed McMahon references. Have you noticed that's so? Weird. I don't. Yeah, Dave didn't know who that was. I so, don't yeah. know who that is. <laughs>
0: <Jeez>. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, well, he's, well, now he's you do. the
2: original variety He was,
0: he was in. Yeah. He was informed after the first time he didn't know who that was. I. I oh, well, that's for, why. I yeah, had, for I, us this, it was
2: the Gong Show. This is why I have Jake here. Sure. I,
0: Jake knows all this stuff. I don't. I don't
1: get these references. I am like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we want
0: to do our player debate, yeah, boys? Yeah, yeah, I think we do. We, so we've been putting this oh, off for a little while. So let's let's because this was
1: the original impetus behind having John on was he was like, hey, bring me on. We're going to discuss Trout versus Soto, and uh, you yeah.
0: know, and and the merits. And this this kind of started. We started uh, having this debate when we were uh, on the uh, the live stream. Um, after the Battle of the Pods when yeah. everybody was kind of drunkenly hanging out and and uh, <laughs> then Zach dubbed it all or, or placed it all, put it all together and and dubbed Gauvier uh, asking about chicken like 20 times in, it <laughs> in the tournament. But the, rails, yeah. the, Trout, the Trout versus Soto debate did get pretty heated. Um, so we'll let you go first, John, since you're our guest. Why don't you uh, make the case as to why Trout should be drafted over Soto?
2: Okay, I want to start with the caveat (laughs) that I understand that steals, if steals are at the center of your argument, that is where you have the upper hand, right? So I will not be arguing for Mike Trout steals. My, my assertion here is Mike Trout is the better pure hitter. I think that would be fair. Like, so like, even as much as I, I believe that if you put a gun to my head in a roto league, the fact that Soto might get 12 and Trout might get two really might be the difference. So If you're going to get me for steals, like I do get it. That being said, if we're talking pure, pure hitters, which I feel like some people are when they're, when they're talking the Trout and Soto thing, it's. Well, we're
1: we're making the case from a strictly Roto standpoint. To be Okay. Okay.
2: So I think I can get there. I think I can get there also. So to get there, I would have to lead with, I think Trout is going to be on the higher end of the, Four or five steals I'm hoping for I'm trying to be very conservative And <laughs> Soto is on the lower end of maybe the 12 to 14 I'm expecting, okay So in the argument I'm pushing The, the steals are the closest that I think they could be Right, yeah. I'm not going to say Trout explodes for 35 steals and Soto does not No, but I think it's definitely in the range of outcomes That Soto finishes with 13 and Trout finishes with 6 like, Sure yeah. I, that, that feels safe So in that Given, if that's the given information, I think I can bridge the gap for those other seven steals. So it, if we make that the given, let's go from there. Okay, so I have Mike Trout. I mean, just, just head and shoulders above Juan Soto, and it's from every single aspect. Um, I found you got to be careful, of course, with 2020, but we're not going to beat that dead horse. Juan Soto was phenomenal in 2020, He's my favorite baseball player. That's not a Yankee. That hasn't happened since 87 Maguire. To give you an idea, like 88 Maguire. My favorite player is always a Yankee. I love Juan Soto. But we're talking Turkey. So (laughs) I know Soto had the edge in 2020. But for me, that's not enough to make a determination, especially against a guy like Trout and maybe even more specifically, you know, with such a huge decision on the line, so if you zoom out to 2019 and you go from 2019 to 2020, the 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 games played and played appearances are almost equal. So I love that because from a comparative standpoint, I think that's a really you know it's a really great starting point. The plate appearances were only separated by 14. Okay, so 855 Soto, 841 Trout. That's essentially exactly the same. And that's where the same kind of ends. It's Mike Trout by a country mile, had to by 15 homers in that span. 15 homers. I mean, that's that's just crazy. The counting stats are close, but I'm gonna push the argument for a boost in those. The steals were 18-12 Soto in that span, but like I said, I am willing to concede the steals. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna win over any jurors. With Mike Trout's speed. Although, I, like I said, I do think four to six is just in the cards. All right. So the surface stats are pretty close. We're going to give a slight edge to Soto for steals. We have to give a heavy edge to Trout for the home runs. The average is pretty much a wash. The disciplinary basket is pretty close. The K rates are very similar. The walk rates were in, you know, bips, tenths of a percentage. Let's call that noise. Soto chases a bit more than Trout, though both are elite. Trout's in-zone contact is a couple points higher. Again, they're both very good over that 87 that I like to see. That's fine. Trout's swinging strike rate is two percentage points better than Soto. So although none are lopsided, Trout has the edge across the board as far as discipline, right? He chases less with higher in-zone contact and less swinging strikes. So I would have to give this round to Mike Trout. Let's move on. I often talk about the elevation basket that a player shows, particularly in the home run age, right? Where these things matter. Chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> elevation, is, elevation is a thing. This is the big disparity right here, okay? And again, I'm even going to give you a back door, but then as many sneaky people do, I'm going to use that to bury you, okay? So... <laughs> Ground ball rate. Mike Trout, the elite 24.6 ground ball rate. The boy does not put the ball on the ground. Juan Soto, 44%. This is an issue. He's a ground ball hitter from this standpoint. People don't like to think of it that way. How dare you talk about our boy Soto that way. But but he puts the ball on the ground nearly twice as much as Mike Trout. Trout puts the ball in the air at a 49.5% clip. Again, near the top of the league. Get used to hearing that. To Juan Soto's 35, which is okay. But, 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 but. Big jiggly butt. The points that are being lost are also being lost in a 5% difference in line drive rate. So, again, a clear, this is a knockout. If the other one was a one point decision win, this is a KO in the elevation basket. Give me the man with the five. I mean, line drive rate is elite at 26 compared to 21, which is average. Give me the complete elite basket of Mike Trout here. This one is not even close. If you want to tell me that 21% line drive rate over that span is good, I'll agree. But without that lift, we got to give the elevation basket to Trout. Move on to my next basket, StatCast, everyone's favorite. The hard hit rate is very similar. They're both very good. The average EV, both very similar. Here we go. Another blow being landed by Mike the Fish. Max EV of 116 to Juan Soto's 113. Nowhere else, but right here, right now, are you going to hear anybody putting down a 113 max EV? It's off the charts. But 116.6 is quite literally like a top three in the league. Mike Trout is the man. Move it over to launch angle. Again, launch angles, I know people are sucking their teeth, but averages are useful on the edges because you can't fudge that number. Middle, like if, if an average falls in the middle, it's... Useless, you need to further investigate. You should always further investigate, I should say. But Soto's launch angle below 11 over 900 plate appearances with the plus 40% ground ball rate is not a first round power hitter to me. Mike Trout's launch angle is in that perfect 22 and a half, he's like a walking barrel. Speaking of barrels, Juan <laughs> Soto's 13%, which is excellent. Mike Trout, 17%, which is amazing. And again, 98th percentile across the board uh, compared to everybody. Very last basket. And then you can take it from there because it pretty much ends there for me. I'm trying to paint, you know, through different lenses, without result-based metrics, painting a picture of why I have Trout as my power hitter in the first. Ex-WOBA that everyone loves. Again, to be putting down Juan Soto's numbers here is an insult, and I probably owe him an edible arrangement or something <laughs> because a 420x Woba over 900 plate appearances is outstanding. You know what I mean? It's amazing. But Trout's at 442. I mean, I'm just beating this dead horse. Expected Woba on contact, 475 for Soto. That's almost absurd. Mike Trout's 524. These are not small differences. These are large these are actionable differences and they are the difference between the between being the very best in the game and someone who's very damn good. Let me close out with the new stats that I love. Um, props to Connor K. props to Alex Chamberlain and any of the other smart people that I bother at two, three, four o'clock in the morning for <laughs> stats because daddy needs a stats. So Connor got the FSWA award very deservedly for a dynamic hard hit rate in a yep. combination of Exit velocity with launch angle, Juan Soto again, twenty-two percent. What could you ask for? How about Mike Trout's twenty-nine again, ninety-eighth percentile, top in the top in the league, best in the business, best to do it. And it's and it it's not particularly close. Blast percentage the same, eight and a half to eleven and a half. Now the 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 cherry on the top here, the very last cherry, is the standard deviation on launch angle. Again, not to overuse this as there's still work being done on it. That being said, I have done work on this. It correlates very well to good hitters. And I think in the future, we will be equating this metric with bat control and quality hitters. The average standard deviation for a launch angle in the major leagues is roughly 28 degrees, where you'll find one soto. If you were looking for my Trout, of course, you'd have to go to the number one spot in the league where all of his other stats are with 25 degrees of standard deviation in his launch angle. I mean, there is not a single one of these that are even close. There's not any of them where Soto has the edge. So now we have discipline, elevation, stat cast, and advanced batted ball metrics all heavily in favor of, of Mike Trout over one Soto for a 900 plate appearance sample. That's what I got on Mike DeFish. That's why to me, he's the greatest to do it. And I wanna leave with this one thing. I will even give you every bit of Soto's highest projections. However, given the picture I've just painted, if you have Soto for 39, you better be putting Trout down for 51, okay? However, you apply these numbers to Soto. Make sure we're applying them properly to Mr. Fish, because those numbers are absolutely insane. And I knew Mike Trout was good. Again, back to the paywall thing. I generally don't do the first round. It feels kind of vanilla, and I don't really care. You know, so I I, I don't. I the baseball analyst admitting I don't do my my homework. Um, but but. But I never took out the true microscope on this. And now that I have, I I just don't see taking Soto over Trout, even for Roto. I think the extra home runs, it's the extra, you know, Soto a bit lacking with plate. uh, I'm sorry, lineup protection now as well. The Nationals offense is kind of meh. I love Trey Turner. Don't get me wrong. Don't, do not get me wrong. Love Turner, <laughs> love Soto. Maybe one of my favorite one two pops in the game, but it, it kind of ends there. There's really not a lot going on in Washington. So you probably could paint your picture that the counting stats are going to go to a trout as well. All right. You've heard it in six million words or less. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. How many tweets
1: was that? Oh, it was, it was, that was a nice thread of t- tweets right there. Um, okay. So let's, let's clear a couple things up. Cause you started by talking about 2019 and 2020, and then you kind of reverted to just 2019 with some of the things. So, um, like Trout's 2020 max EV was actually down to 112.9 from 117 or 116 that it was at before that. Um, and also they had the exact same barrel percentage in 2020 and I'm not the statistician here. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you don't need a huge sample of barrel percentage. I, I could be wrong on that though. But um, if we're looking at 2020 uh, as uh, in terms of their barrel rates, it looks like Soto is pretty much caught up to trout completely agree that Soto has to start hitting more balls in the air. Um, much like you'll concede the stolen bases all concede the home runs. Um, yeah. I certainly think the trout uh, his home run output is going to best uh, Soto's. There's no question there. Um, here's the issues though, John, um, you know, when when I'm taking a guy in the first round, first of all, I hate 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 taking an outfielder. Period. Yeah. Um, but if I'm gonna take one, it's gonna be Soto, especially now that he's come out and said he's gonna be running more. And the reason is, if he can give me those even like 20 steals, and I know that that's like probably on the okay. Let's let's be clear here. I'm not talking projections because we don't buy you know projections are conservative by nature. I don't just look at their their average. I look at what their their ceiling and their floor are as well. And when it comes to Soto, I think that his ceiling and his floor are both much higher than trout. Like trout didn't run last year. And I think that that could actually stick. Um, He's a bigger guy for someone who steals. um, And he's kind of at that age and given that he's a middle of the order producer and they want to keep him healthy. And he's had two years straight of leg issues. I don't think that they necessarily want him to run that much anymore. And I don't think he has to. Um, He's also on a four year decline in speed score rating. So, you know, you don't get older, you don't get faster as you get older. So I think, I think saying five steals is probably about right. Um, And it, and it could be even closer to one or two, Um, but I don't see 10 plus steals for him anymore. And I do projections
2: do, and I don't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, that's this is this is one of those things where, um, I'm never gonna just concede to projection system and say, Well, they know more than me because I'm I mean, that's I don't (laughs) I don't I don't make my money by just going by projections. So, um, I I definitely think that Soto has the steals advantage, and that is far more important to me, uh, than the extra home runs. Like, even if it's 10 15 homers, um, I don't I think 15 homers is high. I think there's probably eight to ten homer difference between them and i'm more than willing to concede those uh because i that's not what i need i i need the elite average and the stolen bases those are what i'm looking for early in the draft because the power is so easy to find later the big thing for me the biggest thing for me is Juan soda's elite average upside like this is a guy who i get that it was a small sample and you know you can't expect him to hit 350 he did that with the 363 BABIP. like the Babbitt was only slightly higher than his actual average. Like this guy has the best plate approach in baseball. And I'm not saying that he's going to, I know that Trout's better. Uh, You're talking about launch angle, standard deviation, launch angle, all of that. I agree with you Um, for hitting home runs. Trout's your guy. Uh, Soto is the guy who I think I've said this before 2020. I said one Soto will hit like, 340 350 in in his career like there will be years where he does that over an entire season or multiple seasons so that upside is not something that trout is capable of his his best years of average were in the i think his best year was 326 in his first full season 2012 yeah yeah Yeah. 2012 and he's never been since and the other bit, the other big thing is his BABIP from 2019 and, and 2020 was right around 300. So this is I don't think he's well, That's that, a lot of fly balls. Yeah, he hits all those fly balls. I don't think he has that ability to give you that elite average. I think you're looking at a 285 average guy, which granted.
2: Wait, look, hold on. So you don't think Mike Trout can hit 300?
1: Oh, he can hit 300, but he's I don't a
2: career think... 304 hitter. Or it's five yeah. fifty five hundred plate appearances.
0: It's sure it's heavily weighted at the front end of his career. But yeah, I mean, he's capable of hitting 300. But are we planning on him hitting 300 though? Yeah, when he's hitting 50 percent fly okay. balls.
1: Okay, <laughs> but let, he's capable of hitting 300. Yeah, see, is, is he capable of hitting 340 like Soto is? I mean, unless you just don't think Soto is. No, I,
2: I, if there is a person, well, I don't think I really don't assign 340 to anybody, but yeah, if if we're talking about players with the range, yeah, no, it's so, there's a very short list and Soto is on that. Exactly.
1: And so that's, that's really the thing, John, for me, like that 340 average, because elite average like that is in such short supply. If you can get a guy like that, that can be game breaking. I mean, that can, that can push your team up way more than another 10 or
2: 15 homers can. That makes me uh, wish I had, makes me wish I had pressed Projection guys, as you guys know, um, you know, I don't bring people on my show and start like, Oh, you're so awesome, everything you say is fantastically wonderful. I usually (laughs) press on them, I do, I normally press on people, ask them, Like, what you know, what's going on behind the curtain, and ask them why I when I disagree with them. Um, you know, I was asking in particular about average, and I'm kind of kicking myself that Soto didn't come up with it. It was really interesting. Any of those conversations, I did speak about a guy like Francisco Lindor. Right, who, yeah, um, I heard Ramon, you talking about
1: that with Derek. Yeah,
2: Ramon Laureano is the same way guys who have these high batting averages over periods of time that are right. well beyond what we consider stable, and then the projection system is putting them for like 35 points lower than that, you know, right. not not five points, not 10 points, 35, 45, 50 points lower. Yeah, and I wish I had asked about Soto, yeah, like I, I see. And Derek tell, Hardy, I, I can tell you what Rudy's gonna say. I could tell you what he would say. And he would say, John, you gotta look at the Babip. When Soto put out the crazy average, it came on a crazy babip. You could never expect more than like a 315, 320, which is what the projection systems have. I mean, now again, I asked and I kind of learned what's going well, on behind there. Every
1: every player has a different Babip baseline, though, based on your speed and your contact ability and, and like how hard you hit the ball. So like I wrote about this in my strategy section uh, of the SP streamer draft kit. And I, I don't remember specifics, but, you know, a guy like Soto has a much higher BABIP expectation, uh, you know, than a guy who's slow, like Mike Moustakis, for example. Why?
2: The line drive rate is low. The line drive rate is low. He's not particularly fast. He puts him on the ground way too much. That yeah. doesn't sound like a high BABIP he guy hit, to me. He
0: hits it hard on the ground, though. I mean,
2: it, it's not like he's, uh, you know, Billy Hamilton top of the yeah. Him. No, I got you. But I mean, normally some of that would manifest in a line drive rate. You know, and in fact, if you look at his it, career line drive rate, sub 20%. And even in that monster 2020, it was right at 20. I won't dig them for the two mini bips. I- I'm just saying, I mean, there's – there. Is a pathway the same way that he has a pathway to three hundred and forty? He certainly has a pathway to have a worse average than Mike Trout. Also, now I don't think would, that would be in three hundred. I think maybe that's with Trout getting a little bit of luck, finishing at two ninety-five, and yeah. Soto finishing at two ninety-two. Yeah. That's like the bottom of Soto's range. So this range this, is, us, yeah. this is this yeah right right other, Soto's right. floor is probably two ninety, where Trout's floor is probably two seventy for me. Yeah. Right,
1: right, and so the other the other part of the issue is that. You know when you're when you're quoting you know Soto's stats. Let's not forget he came in as a 19 year old and he was 21 last year. He's now 22 yeah. years old. He would be like a college junior right now. Um, yeah. You know, but let's let's not let's not be thinking that Juan Soto is static. And this is the biggest right. thing for me. He can explode even from where he is right now. There could still be more significant growth i'm not talking about a little bit of growth i'm talking he can blow up from even where he was last year because you're you're probably not at your top skill level at age 21 whereas with with trout we know what he is and he's great don't get me wrong hall of famer (laughs) awesome player the way you Um, said that
2: we know and we know what he is the best player ever (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) <laughs> I hear you. No, 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 You're absolutely right. And this is, these are things I also talk about, right? Growth not being linear. Right. Soto showing the high IQ for the game, showing yeah. the propensity for improvement. But, you know, you talk about it often, as do I. You got to, you kind of have to see it. The elevation basket is just what's irking me because to me, that's the pathway to, not, again, when I say Juan Soto sinking his batting average, we're talking about 290. But, I right. do see the pathway with the low line drive rate, the high ground ball rate, that, you know, the hard hit rate is not, is not off the charts. Hits it hard. But
1: even um, with his, all that, he had 13 homers and 196 plate appearances last year. And a
0: and, 201 WRC+. Plus. And
2: well, yeah, well, you know why? His, uh, he has one of the best EVs on fly balls in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's 100. I think yeah. over the span. Yeah, last, it, year, it,
0: last year, his home run for fly ball was 36%. So that, you, that is a, a bit of an outline. So
1: you should be thinking, though. Well, I don't if know it was, if it would
2: be. Then. No, I because, because, because be, Jay,
1: he's I tops think... in the league. So what you should be thinking is what happens if he reverses that and goes back to the fly balls
2: that he hit in 2019? Uh, if Juan Soto gets his elevation basket where Mike Trout does and maintains his ability to lift with power – Dude, 100 miles an hour on average yeah. of his fly balls. Yeah, he that's that's the 51 home runs that we're talking about. But also, let's not forget all of these things that we're talking about, Soto maybe being able to do are the things Mike Trout's doing right now.
0: Yeah, in terms and of power, not, yeah, and I just, in terms just, of power,
2: yes, yeah, right, right, very good, right, absolutely, absolutely. I'm I am a little surprised with the low standard deviation and with all the back control stuff that trout doesn't hit for a much higher average. It might be the fly balls you mentioned, Jake. I think yeah, maybe most likely, I mean, just his may hurt you. His
0: BABPs are, are kind of coming a lot closer to his average. Whereas earlier in his career, his ups were all consistently high. We were, we were, I mean, he was what? 383, 376, 349, 344, 371. I mean, those are all pretty solid Bavis uh, in four years of declining speed. We'll do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and his fly ball percentage has increased quite a bit from his early career as on an average as well. I mean, he early career, he was high thirties, mid thirties. Now he's high forties to 50.
1: So the thing is they're both, they're both incredibly high floor guys. And that's the thing. Like, I think the people who are like, well, trout's got the track record. That doesn't hold up for me at all because there's zero, there's zero risk in Juan Soto. I mean, in terms of um, outside of a fluke injury, which performance is not something, risk. Yeah, yeah, performance yeah. risk. This is not a guy who's going to fall apart. Okay, his floor is high enough, but the thing is, it's the ceiling that you have to be looking at here. Trout doesn't have that ceiling, and oh, Soto does. On.
2: I can't give you that. I'm not going to give you that. How could uh, in, in terms, terms of, of average.
1: average and speed? That's what I. That's yeah. He doesn't uh, have. Yeah. It. Like, okay, where okay. where I mean, is I mean, where is Trout going to really grow? Uh, like his power is. You know, he's already hitting 45 homers. Like, where is he going to
2: grow? Yeah. Well, I think, I think it would be, I think it would be an average. I think that's, I don't I don't, I th- I don't think not... a 300 is off, the, is off the table, but yeah, no, 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 no. As far as a balanced, as far as a fully balanced Roto portfolio, I have to give it to you. You're right.
0: Yeah. yeah 300 yeah. is not off the table. For no, Trump, no. But, yeah. Nobody's saying 300 is off yeah, the table. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're, we're planning on 285. If he hits 300 with 45 homers, I still think, I mean, so if as long as Soto does what we expect him to do yeah. and, and maintain those gains and, uh, even project, even even continue to rise up a little bit. I mean, he, yeah, wow. He, if he
2: starts, his to average it. ceiling is exceedingly
0: high, and yeah, that's so and that's what we draft for. We draft for elite average, or especially with our early round picks, yeah. elite average speed. And now let me ask you a question. High floor.
2: I'm going to put yeah. you right into the war room. Yeah. I had. I, I hate buying into those preseason reports. I understand they were very clear about him running. They they were. I get that what number if i could guarantee you a number of steals what would get him to be the 101 for you the first pick overall that right if you're talking about 40 if you're talking about 20
0: yeah first overall 20. i was gonna say 22
2: but now man does that put him like way beyond than already the current number one pick i mean um if well- you're talking about 320 44 and 20, then 105 and 105. I mean, geez, a bit gaudy. It's like yeah. Juan Gonzalez. That's what I, that's what I used. He, I used, that was my example. And that's what I want people to know. I love Juan Soto. My best example for Juan Soto ceiling was steroid error Juan Gonzalez. That's how good <laughs> I think he is. That's how good I think he is. 45 yeah. homers, 25 steals, bat 330, knocking 127. Like there's just almost no ceiling for Juan yeah. Soto. There's yeah. almost no ceiling, exactly. but again, if we're if I, I gotta speak to just the next couple months, and I, again, I I really wasn't under the roto lens because the steals are just so disproportionately weighed in my opinion that the seven or eight like as soon as I said there's a twelve steal difference, it's almost over. You know the arguments are kind of done right. from right. that lens. So I I was having a bit more fun with how good Mike Trout is, and even that we're like yeah he's like great and he's like the greatest. We still don't – I don't even think we fully appreciate what he's doing from a statistical standpoint is staggering. I mean, it's sta- yeah. it is staggering. Mean, we've kind it, of
1: gotten used to how good from he is. A, yeah. Right. And and from a strictly baseball standpoint, yes, uh, totally agree with you. I just think from a Roto fantasy baseball perspective, I think, I think Trout is overrated because of the fact that I don't want to get an outfielder in the first round. And that's the thing. Even if Soto steals twenty, it's so right. hard for me to take him yeah. over Trey Turner and Fernando Tatis because I want to get the shortstop. I can get yeah. outfielders. I usually don't like. The, well, you saw in the tag team draft, you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about. Oh, well, you outfield. really
2: played with fire, yeah.
1: Well, no, but, but I didn't because I knew that there's plenty right. of guys to take right. still. I mean, and that's the thing. You saw how I, we built it out, and there's still so many guys left after the draft who I can still use in the outfield, and I can't do that with shortstop. So. I want to I really want to get that elite shortstop in the first round or at least second round. And if I start with an outfielder, then I'm missing out on either the shortstop or an ace. And it really makes my job harder. And so that's why it's tough for me to even take Soto, even if I know I'm getting 20
2: steals from him. Well, so to, to what Jake was saying before, one of the best parts about balancing your different kind of formats is I don't really have to visit this argument because for me, um, guys, I don't consider Mike Trout in the first round in roto, particularly uh, generally, at general. right. all. I don't like the outfield. That's red flag number one. The steals are red flag number two. And by that yep. point, first yep. round two red flags. I'm out. You yep. know, for yeah, for, it's the same thing for uh, for for Yelich. I'm worried yep. about the back, but he's also an outfielder. But you can have him. I don't care where he's going. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's almost nowhere he could fall. Not nowhere, but I mean, in that you know, in a viable in scope that range. That, yeah, yeah. That I would that I would jump. I'm not. I'm not yeah. interested. I'm yep. not interested. And I'm him, with you. if you take um, again, that was part of the article was these uh, a, mo- a look back from 2019 in four player groupings. Christian Yelich, his stats from 2019 are off the page. I mean, oh yeah, it shows you how worried the market is about his back. Because if we were just looking at numbers, like let's say you put it into a computer, Yelich would be coming out as a top three or four pick. I think.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Yelich is uh, one of those guys who he can put up a a season like we're talking about with uh, with Juan Soto with more steals. But um, again, I I would rather just try to win with uh, with other guys who are less risky. And unfortunately, I just I need to see him. I need to see him stop striking out in spring training first. And uh, until that happens, I won't be drafting him. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah the, well i don't think anybody saw that floor it was still pretty good he was still pretty, no, good. We, was still pretty good but right. you don't expect him he looked lost at points yeah which is really odd because when he's on he's a, basically an impossible out there's very few of those guys he's one right. of them you right. hate to see him get in the box now, i and know almost when he's on fire i almost don't like to bet on pitchers going against the brewers
1: I, I get why, um, yeah, yeah. but you, you remember how everybody last spring said, oh, don't worry. He's still Christian Yelich and all that stuff about all the reports about how he can't hit the ball. He's striking out and nobody was worried. And right. guess what? You should have been worried. Yeah, so that's yeah, why, yeah. that's why I say like, you know, don't, don't just dis, don't uh, discount things just because it's spring training. Uh, Dave, you really I kind of find deal.
2: that funny in what, like I, even I made the excuse before with Kimbrel. I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he's practicing change-ups. Is there a scenario when a hitter wants to strike out? That's never good. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. And you, you just can't screw around with that.
0: We were having so much fun talking with John that this conversation went on for about another two hours. So we decided to cut the pot off here. Uh, you can find John at MLB Moving Average. You can find Dave at Run D McD. Add that D. And you can find me at the TheDustMite. Thank you so much for listening. Check out rotosaurus.com slash merch. And we will be releasing the other half of this episode soon.